1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition. Over 125 years ago, the Columbian Exposition was staged in Chicago on Lake Michigan's shoreline. Visitors from around the country and world were first introduced to many industrial technologies and commercial offerings that would shape 20th century culture. This book explores a collection of event photographs and juxtaposes them against a set of modern images to catalog the living remnants in art and architecture around the city as a legacy to the 1893 World's Fair. 1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition, now available from Amazon. Audiobook version available soon. Really pissed. Mark security? Like one of those blinks or rings. Like, I'm not mad because, like, the privacy doesn't concern me because I can just set up, like, a network for itself, but I have to get one. So, I mean, we're, we might technically be live right now. Uh, welcome to party line chat. Uh, this is a simulcasted event on Twitter, Periscope and YouTube. First time party line chat simulcasting. Uh, this is going to be a nice kind of head to head kind of discussion between Krista Rose and Jal. You know him from the Nash folks, but we've got a bunch of other people on today as well my name is michael finney do the rest of the people want to introduce themselves so we can all see each other i'm yes. brian i got the paper paper bag head on twitter um yeah that's it okay brian okay so i i, I yeah, know yeah. paper bag head i didn't know brian <laughs> chris Rose, what's up party people it's been a while since i've been on a mic and it feels good it feels good man glad to be here yeah, Jal. Um, most people know me for promoting Ideal Money and kind of stoked to be here to get some good discussion going. Jal, good to see you. You too. UIT Cal, I'm sort of just here. So there we go. Hey, Tim here. Just chilling around. Yep. Yeah, very good. So, uh, you know, as, as we say here, uh, we're in the entertainment business. This is also going to be up on Shaw Wars, if you're familiar with that, which is proof of work voting uh, prediction market. So these two guys, if you see the animation there, that is from Shaw Wars. So they are going to be allowing you to vote for your favorite uh, guest today, and then we'll find out who wins. Obviously, you know, you can uh, input your liquidity as they say. So starting do you, off, do you know the Shaw Wars website? Is it shawwars.io? It's shawwars.com. That's S H A W A R S.com. Com is spelled C O M. So that's where you want to go to uh, get involved with the Shaw Wars piece. Uh, obviously, you know, it behooves you to vote for yourself, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> Which is why I gave you guys the heads up about that because I thought you might you might be interested. Uh, oh, nice to kind of get things rolling. Um, you guys know each other. Uh, Jal constantly harasses you, Chris, on Twitter. We see it. He doesn't harass know. me. I like Jal. <laughs> I like him a lot, actually. I like Jal too. Obviously, we've known each other. Uh, I don't know. I guess probably close to two years, running around on Twitter as he gets banned off and then starts a new account. Um, 
Uh, yeah, well, different things, I think. Jal, do you want to talk to, talk to that point? Uh, well, someone asked what me and Duros disagree on, and I think, I don't know if I could just come up with something. I think maybe we could get into some talking points, and we might find that out if there is something. I can suggest that what are you getting I appreciate Jal. What are you getting banned for? Uh... I don't know. <laughs> okay. Have you ever been the victim of mass reporting? Possibly. I'm not uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay, Duros, what are you what were you gonna say there? I could I could suggest that we have been looking for ideals in society as a general rule <laughs> the last ten years. And one by one, it seems like every ideal gets eviscerated in front of the mob. And we're less of a crowd in search of an ideal at this point than we are a crowd in search of a solution. And uh, it would seem that there's a disconnect between those those two goals. So while we may find ideal money, my concern would be that it wouldn't solve any problem. That would be, that would be a disconnect. What does What does ideal mean to you when you use it in that context? Well, and that would be again that. Well, so that I, I'm glad you asked that. I I can suggest a bunch of answers, um, you know, perfection perhaps, or equity, or uh, efficiency. Like all all of these are valid answers. Uh, I don't necessarily have any one of those because I think my point would be that in any answer, it seems that the market <laughs> has suggested online, the 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 evisceration of that value would commence thereafter. So it, it's becoming a, a more it, it's like we're, we i mean this is getting into the politics but it's very hard to talk our way into solutions at this point and i suspect there's going to be a lot less carrots and a lot more sticks in our future I, I think we will sort of inevitably get into politics and the other sort of talking point that we might as well throw out there is like how's it going in the united states right now and wasn't there some sort of a predictable thing going on where you could see you know you've got these people in the streets protesting and counter protesting and and that seems to be the energy is increasing and i think you sort of knew that was coming i think all bitcoiners knew that it was coming and shame on us for not having been prepared but yeah that's a, that's the case it's a, it's an exciting time actually i kind of like it but it's it's weird it's real damn weird and probably not an uptick anytime soon. One thing that was weird about it, like this Andrew Yang was going around talking about his platform was universal basic income. And then all of a sudden it's like that's ripped away from him because they, you know, I'm in Canada. Our government just threw money at us too. And, and that's sort of relevant, I think. Yeah. That got weird. Uh, you know, the, I actually loved Andrew Yang's presentation. When I think of like the habitus of like the ideal candidate t to me, Andrew Yang would probably be it. He's young enough to where he's not a moron, and he's old enough to where he's not a moron, uh, which is unlike some of the other candidates out there. And he he just he isn't. I don't know. He just seemed more relatable, and he seemed like he could have a conversation with a wide swath of people, other than being like a robot. Um, but that being said, I, I'm not particularly amenable to UBI. Uh, I just think that's looting the treasury by another name. 
And I have no doubt we have that in our future. I just doubt that the country is really going to survive that. So I would, I would expect that that kind of plan would just balkanize the country to like communists and non-communists, I guess. So I, I wasn't really a big fan of Andrew Yang. But fast forward, you know, not even six months, maybe. We ended up prototyping universal basic income under the conservative platform through this sort of uh, pandemic thing we were doing with uh, free money for everybody to some degree. So maybe it's very limited. Maybe that doesn't constitute UBI. But again, it, it got weird. We, I, I, the pattern seems to be that like we find some tenant, then we eviscerate it. Like every, there's almost like something that has reverence or something that has meaning some plan could could come to fruition and then the mob just just disintegrates it and and then you don't and then it's kind of weird because it's not like a conclusion it just kind of disappeared i feel like that's the theme on a lot of this stuff is covid the tenant here is that even right? that's got i mean these hysterias a lot of this started with like the feminism stuff in my world and uh you have this hysteria it's like it's a very predictable pattern you have a hysteria Somebody finds something of, of meaning. Uh, people then object to identifying the meaning, and they, they, they sort of come up with these fits of convulsions of, of like, I don't know, disgust oftentimes. And then, uh, inevitably, the thing gets inspected, at which time it disappears, and then we, like, don't talk about it anymore. So, like, we had that with feminism. Uh, we're going to have it with racism. I, I can see that coming. Um, we've had it with a, something, a few of things have popped out. I'm trying to remember. I should make a list of them. Um, I think the Corona is going to be another one where it's going to be like the end of the world. And then in a year, we're all just like not talking about it. Um, so yeah, what's that? There was another one that I've, I've totally forgot. Everyone, I know we, the thing is we all forget about them. That's, that shows how like specious half these things are. What are you talking about? Like the movements like Gamergate? Like, yeah. I mean, these are, they're, they're really hysterias and mass panics. Yeah. Gamergate, um, Comicsgate, Hollywood doing yes. uh, the get woke go broke phenomenon yes. which is true yes. gamergate and feminism were kind of the thing so like they're like they're often like foundational like cultural well, values you have the same case. thing in like you have the same thing in young adult fiction but there's there was just no outrage against it in the young adult fiction uh industry like yeah that okay. feminism like kind of led the way for all the other sgw stuff in all the academics and industries that are now getting woke and going broke, I think. Agreed. Well, it's a property of the medium, of the online medium, I think. A combination of, like, I guess, demographic considerations, advertising considerations, and just general naiveness. I think they I'm, can I'm advertising it. and create these jobs that have no uh, connection to revenue. So you have a, this huge-ass, uh, these huge salaries kind of, like, set aside for positions like, you know, diversity, inclusion, uh, like the people can be CEOs of that, you know, and then, uh, you have, you know, various marketing kind of jobs where in these social media companies that because of the fleecing of advertisers, because none of these numbers are accurate, um, they can afford these jobs. Whereas, you know, if you, if you got to move concrete from one point A to point B and that's your job, you don't have time for, you know, it's not. Agreed. Agreed. There's a lot of, that in the, I mean, the, some of this might be economic. I mean, you have these like major title forces at work, it seems to me. You're absolutely right. You have, remember, remember when like, tech used to be, um, something that old, ugly men went and got 
some kind of sickness from, right? Because they were work. If you were working close to like the metal and stuff, you got sick, and you, you were balding and you were ugly and <laughs> social, socially un. It was a socially uh, disturbing line of work. Like you just looked like garbage all the time. And there's like memes of this. And then uh, they got free coffee, and then they got. You know, all the VC money came in. Everyone's getting like, you know, massages at work, and you have like the ball pit, and you have the Lego room, and you have the bean bags. Next thing you know, you know, you know, you got the first inclusion CEOs and all sorts of crazy, crazy religious nonsense going on. I remember another one: terrorism. Terrorism was another hysteria. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, and that that might be the first one, but you'll notice that like the no, there's satanic panic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these these things are clearly precedent even throughout history. It's mostly a matter of like the amplitude and the period between them has been the amplitude has been going up and the period has been going down. Was so Y2K you're having more frequent on that Red Scare. hundred percent. That was another one. Y2K okay. for sure. At least that one was life. a real interesting. You know, that was a tech one, too. It should be said that 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 one is probably even like prescient in that way. Yeah. Y2K was weird. If you didn't live through that, you wouldn't even believe it. That was probably the first one that yeah, I really we, experienced. We certainly don't talk about that one very much anymore. Yeah, we forget I about, we it. about it. Yeah, I know um, a guy who, like, when he introduces himself in like meetings and things, he actually references that he worked on Y two K at like IBM. It's like it's okay, like, at IBM, perfect. Like there, yeah. that's a perfect association for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I mean off, office space is entirely about the banality of the workplace caused by reacting to these type of panics. Office space in the, in the sense the that movie. Like, yeah, because oh, it was about a yes. corporation that grew to a gigantic, unsustainable state, all due to the Y2K panic and how that everybody there working at this company is just doing whatever they have to to survive and do the least amount of work as possible. Um, yeah. You know, and everybody's movie. job is pointless, you know. Remember that they're movie. Getting, they're getting paid tons of money because it's this big panic scare. You know what also is kind of stuck, sticks out to me when I think of the contrast between, like, that movie and, like, the culture of the times? There was still separation, I think, of the up-and-coming versus the incumbents. So, like, when I see that sort of atmosphere, that movie, what I think of is, like, the young generation is going to fix that, maybe. And this is, like, a culture clash between the woke young people of that time. But now we're older, and now we're, like, the old guys, maybe, in that movie, or getting to me. It's I don't crazy. know that we've really acclimated. It's crazy when you think about, like, because, um, like, I, I was of age where, you know, we were going to Iraq, and most of... Uh, you know, most of the people my age were like, you know, watching The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and totally, um, quote unquote, going to change everything. And now those people all watch MSNBC and they root for the very people that they hated under the Bush regime. Yeah. Uh, they, they root for them. They root for Nicole Wallace, who was Bush's spokesperson, I believe. Uh, they root for, uh, you know, uh, William Mueller, who lied to Congress about weapons of mass destruction. Um and it's interesting to see that, like, that it makes you wonder what's going to happen with all these kids. Because right now, I think the current one of the current panics we're looking at is is the the media establishment panicking about the new the new media, which is like you know YouTube and BitChute and Periscope and you know all that stuff. And uh, 
It makes you wonder what, what happens when people like that are these new media figures end up replacing, you know, the the guard that's in that's in you know that's guarding the the narrative now, and we see what happens going forward. Because I think I think the, one of the reasons we're seeing all the panic now in the streets is because the media is panicking. You know, um, so the media is panicking, and they need they need clicks, they need attention, and they're losing attention to like Alex Jones, so they deplatform Alex Jones, then like, you know, racism gets clicks. So they start pushing, you know, various, various panic, you know, because they're panicking themselves. I agree with that. I find myself thinking more in terms of weather patterns um, with these matters now, like, like what you said is all true. Uh, However, I find there's like a a perspective of um, these social systems that are herd movements while it's easy to find perpetrators and assign them identities and give them stories, and that may even be 100% appropriate, I, I find that um, at least I enjoy and perhaps and I suspect I find more predictive the idea that you have this group of people moving over here. It's not necessarily good or bad. They were forced out of their old place, and so now they're going to add pressure to this place. And I think we're kind of seeing these in, in that sort of sense. We see these, you know, tornado environments where like the media does this, but then that creates pressure there. And so that hurdle then move into more bit shoot, which, you know, feeds back the loop, these types of themes. I'm reticent to, there's nothing wrong with what you said. I think the only thing I'm trying it's to, it's almost like you, fluid dynamics. It's yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm resident. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm reticent to like assign morality even to, and this maybe fits into what Al and I will discuss, but I'm reticent to assign morality to these things at this point. Like there were times when there were easy bad guys, but now there's enough moving parts to where, indiscernible who was the prime mover on any of these things to me i've suggested it might be helpful to think of the covid thing and then perhaps some of the other ones you name like the y2k and stuff but as like a type of economic coordination um so our political leaders are falling in line globally um not perfectly cooperative there's comp uh it's competitive like um, some nations might want to act against other nations, but I wonder if that's helpful to think of it as like an economic movement. Like we need to slow our economy down because other nations are too. Absolutely. There are these open conspiracies in society and there, there was an open conspiracy, if, if you will, amongst the Corona believers such that like they, they were united by a spirit of like wanting to change the system, it seemed to me. So as a herd, I think that they made concessions in ways that, that privileged or prioritized people who would escalate the response effort. I think there's an economic incentive for them to do that, even principally. So I, I agree. It's again in, in, the, in the sense of like the the sort of like dynamic. Oftentimes you can align people by a spirit of greed. All times are negative emotions, unfortunately. But yeah, if you see that there's a latent greed in this group of people, you can then appeal to that and move them in a coordinated way. So that that probably is, in fact, economic. Yeah, some people would think that's you know terrible, and some elites are trying to control us and we're sheep. And then in another way, it's like, no, yeah, we are sheep, and yes, yes, they are. They're politicians. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. Exactly. Well, that is part of the social contract, I think. 
So, so how is how is it going in the states? What we see is um, clashes of protesters, and perhaps with the police, perhaps with different groups. And is this going to escalate? Is this a problem? Is it just very small? So, I, I did some traveling a few months ago. I can only give you some of my anecdotal experience based off of that. I, I would suggest not to trust anything you see on TV. Um, principally, the motivation is to is to sell watch time. So that that perverts a lot of the reporting off the bat. But then in addition, their advertiser concerns. So the revolution will never be televised as a result of concessions to advertisers like that. The principal um, customer is the advertiser. So if you're not selling Cheerios and you're instead like empowering uh, the overthrow of the government, that you're just not going to sell any Cheerios that way. So, and speaking that's of one which, thing. I want to say we are live on Showers, so everybody can go vote for their favorite guest right now on showers.com. Cool. Uh, you just need a Relay X wallet or a Money Button wallet, and you can get started today on Um Stephen Kinsella was supposed to be here. I, I would I would vote for him, <laughs> not because I want to sabotage your system, but. He has like these. He wants to be a people person, so I would I would just give it to him. Um, anyways, um, so I did some traveling around the United States, and I only went to a few places. Uh, I went both east and west coast, uh, Cambridge, Boston area. Then I was in Philly, um, and then I went up to San Francisco. That was most of it. I, I went by train in some places, so I had to see the outsides of the cities. Uh, then I also have friends that I hear reports from, and then on the ground I have. You know, as I travel, I talk to people, try to get stories. Um, at the time I was going, that was during the height of the corona mania, and people were, like, scared to leave their homes even. Um, I noticed that in the affluent areas, such as Cambridge and San Francisco, actually, um, there was a hypersensitivity, I think, to, to the corona. I, I have a theory that professionalism is heavily weighted by – uh, the medicine field and its aesthetic. You can see this in varying ways. Like when you go to the museum, for example, it's a very sterile environment. It's a professional environment. When you go to the professional office, it's very sterile. Um, white walls, typically uh, cleanliness to it, almost to the degree of like um, social signaling of, of cleanliness. And in any case, in those environments, it seems like there was a significantly greater amount of uh, fear and neuroticism uh, of the times, I, I, the corona being at, at the apex of the times, but it would be my consideration that the, the times were probably like the principal cause of the neuroticism. Um, this is my anecdotal, not a not a doctor, but like what I kind of saw. So social distancing was like really put into effect in Cambridge, like going to the supermarket, like you had to have like everybody had to be exactly in their place in the in the line. Um, Whereas like you compared like Florida. It's really not like that. In fact, there was, I think, like right, the target that's right next to me had uh, made national news because a group of people were like playing music and running around without their masks on and get everybody to take their masks off. So, so like the contrast between what is, like, in my mind, like an upper class area of obeying rules and then what I'm used to was very extreme. Uh, when I went to Philly, uh, I noticed the start, a lot of the start of racial tensions there. Uh, for the first time in this whole thing. Uh, so there was there was a Black Lives Matter protests, which were principally composed of white people, um, though there was, there was a healthy mix. A lot of white women and their kept men. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to use like the F word, but like that's, you know, a lot of that struck as me as a apt description of the men in attendance, which I know is pejorative. And uh, I don't know that I care because like that's be it, be it illegal or otherwise, like that would be like my consideration of of the type of man that went to these things when I was like a youth. And that was it was like a word that was in, you know, more common parlance. Mm-hmm. Um, so like emasculated sort of men. And um, then I went to like San Francisco. I almost got into, I got into, I almost got into two fist fights on that trip. Very close. One was in Philly, a, a racial conflict, which was weird because in Philly, uh, I was in this hotel and I was just hanging out and uh, some black kids came to check into the hotel and they didn't like that we weren't wearing our masks. It was kind of a low class place, I would say. So like day laborers, blue class, blue collar kind of guys, we didn't really care. And um, these black kids came in, they were wearing masks. And then all of a sudden it just got super racialized. And I was like pulled into this, what was starting to become a fight over the masks in the lobby of this hotel. <laughs> and um, then the owner came who happened to be white. And then he kicked out the black people. And then they just kind of let that feed into this story in their minds that there was some kind of like, you know, bigotry going on at the hotel, which I don't, I don't think meant to materialize, but optically it was understandable that that would be like a a story that was told. That would Um, be a good example of a metaphor for what's going on. A hundred percent a hundred percent. Yeah. These are a lot of microcosms for like the the whole, in, in a lot of these political things. And then in like San Francisco, San Francisco is a weird place. My sister lives there, but like, she's not, I don't, I just don't assimilate in that culture. It seems. And uh, the contradictions are like everywhere. And I, and I don't, I don't know how to even respect the rule when that's the case. So, um, there was a, there was a mix there of out of city types that I happened to socialize with who were reticent to follow the herd, uh, with the masks and the hysterics. And then there was the sort of San Francisco types who had a sort of arrogance, I think, about the masks. Um, it, it's almost entirely a social signaling game to me. In any case, you know, that, that kind of feeds into the politics where you, you have these weird optics that I think the politicians have completely lost the plot on. Like, like we all kind of agree to stories that kind of make sense, and then we promote the story, and then it kind of resolves the situation. But we are stuck in these, these like, interactions now where there's too many stories, all of which can apply and it just becomes chaos. So, you know, leading into now, I can't help but to think that's kind of what I see around town. There's a, I think there's a pretense of clean teeth that we all know is the operating uh, protocol with other humans, but it's, it's specious and it's superficial. It's very, uh, it's not very deep. And if you try to bring anything deep up, it very quickly becomes political. So people don't do it. So there's a bit of like a, a pins and needles walking on pins and needles kind of thing that I think is there. Um, but it kind of depends too. Like, you know, it's very much a, a function of the, of the place that you're in. I, I think as assimilation is breaking, like the supermarket becomes this weird, like melting pot. And like, that's dangerous now to go to the supermarket because you could have varying social classes that could be meeting there and races but when you leave that area, then you're now you're back in your neighborhood and you're back at maybe your bar and now mm-hmm. things can be more comfortable again. That's what it seems like to me. And, you know, people listening may or may not agree. I don't know. That's my experience based on some of the things I've been looking at. I think people are a lot remark- more familiar um, with 
kind of the protocols and they're going out more regularly. Um, I don't know. I don't see people really combating any of the, the social or uh, public space recommendations too often. But where are you at? Uh, Midwest right now. Okay. Right. The, the supermarket's a, an interesting case. Um, and where I'm from, they have arrows telling you which way to go down the aisles. And often the maskies, if you call them that, are the people who have these masks, they can't, they don't follow them. They go against them. Do you have that where you are? Sure. We have that, but nobody respects those in my town. Right, right. What about first responders? Where I'm at, the police, fire and whatnot, they rarely show up in any type of PPE. It's obviously not a concern to them. Um, I don't know if y'all have noticed. It, we had a bad deal like, over here. In, We're having problems with that. In February and March, you saw this national cry that every first responder needs massive amounts of PPE and not just masks. They need face shields and goggles and, you know, full on biohazmat suits and people were wearing them around. And that was a lot spurred, I think, by these fear porn photos that China was leaking to us of, you know, people dying in streets and shit like that. And none of that ever materialized in the West, but it was enough to panic everybody, but now it seems like at least the rational people, you know, most first responders generally have a good head on their shoulders, um, and they're not panicking. Um, so I can, I can tell you from, I know a couple people that are first responders here in Florida. So Florida, I, so we have like these, so like it's probable that we have like a civil war environment or a pre-civil war environment, and it's evident that you're going to have tension around the herds that are in uh, that are polarized and in close geographic proximity so like portland being the obvious case where you have a blue city and a red surrounding country and that's going to be a conflict hotspot um florida i would not be surprised florida's weird for a lot of reasons because we're kind of like almost a caribbean country or latin american country in in many parts of the state but then you go north and it becomes like deep south very quickly. Um, but so it wouldn't surprise me if Florida does become a hotspot. Um, we also have in Florida a history of just like probably the most overt um, redlining, uh, like in the country even wouldn't surprise me because we have, you know, the case of Palm Beach is the easy example where you have some of the, the most expensive real estate in the world. And uh, on the other side of the moat, some of the some of the worst ghettos. And that's true for many of the areas up and down the coast here in Florida, including mine. Um, so I, I live in a nice island here. Um, but then you go over the bridge and as you head inla inland, it rather quickly becomes like sharecropping descendants. So okay. it, it can get a little rough. And I've noted the first responders that I know have all been getting, have been moving out of the area of like, because the, the salary I think for first responders is not going to push you on the island but it'll put you in with this sort of inland area and they don't want to live there because they know what the, some of these neighborhoods are like, and they're not a good place to raise your kids. And then they also, uh, in their case, this is perhaps unique to them, but you know, who, who wants to live with your, if you're a police officer, you don't want to be living with like the, the people you arrest. Like that's a bad situation. Yeah. So there's that. So they, so they've been getting out of the area 
And I've noticed that they like we like in my gym, we had a number of cops. They all pretty much have moved north to, to avoid this. So um, it's it's becoming a bit of a ghost town in first responders, I think, which is probably not a good development. It, you know, that, that means the middle class maybe is eviscerating as the as the upper and lower class is polarized. And I know Miami Beach just started doing its own sort of uh, who, who was the guy that was it George Zimmerman, the one that killed the kid doing a neighborhood watch up in like North Florida. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Miami beach started doing that kind of policing. And I, I, and I can see why, because like, you don't, if the situation becomes weird, you don't really know who the cops allegiance to. And the cop really shouldn't have had to, you know, make that calculus to begin with. But now with the politics being weird, they kind of do. Um, and so it's just, it's just not a good situation there. Uh, the cops that I know as who I see, because we have, it, it, the spot on the island I'm, I'm in is kind of like gentrifying. So we have some of the old and the new and we, we get police coming in for varying reasons. A lot of the like service people are kind of like falling into despair and in, in so doing are requiring more emergency services, but the emergency services guys are like very uninspired. They don't, they don't like, they're not very proactive. They don't seem to want to risk their safety. I don't blame them. And it's, it's a, it's a weird environment for sure because you have like these upper class people who conceivably don't like them and and i get that they have these lower class people that are that are like increasingly belligerent anyway it's just like they they can't really win and uh and, and i have mixed feelings because like for most of my life i was not for the cops and even now it's like hard for me to be for the cops but like we need cops no doubt so it, it may be that we have to like return to an environment where like our own are the cops and like every neighborhood has like their own cop. And that's not a positive development. Cause that's very quickly going to turn into like, you know, gang style, you know, policing, but that may be what we're headed towards. I don't know. It's sort of going straight to the meta, but uh, is it, is Trump going to win for sure? Is he going to win by a landslide? Is that what you're seeing? I think he's, I, 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 I'm not a, I'm not a demographer. My, so this is, so this is kind of weird. I, I, I like Trump over Biden. So like, I'm, I'm a bit inclined to skew in a, in a sense of bias, but, um, it's, everything's like weirdly backwards. Like a lot, so like a lot of the like low income people, um, are very pro Trump. I happen to be in a pro, like the island happens to be like a Trump island for across the sort of spectrum. I don't know exactly why that is, but it, it does happen to be. There. So you go to my island, there's pictures of like, there's a guy down the street who has a flag with like Trump and his uh, machine gun telling uh, the viewer, no more bullshit. And there are Trump signs everywhere. And you go to like street poles and things. And it's very obviously like a colony, like a Trump colony. And I'm okay with that. I feel safe in that colony. I like those values. Um, but, th- but it's also kind of weird because we have these buildings that I suspect are full of blue people who are just kind of like meek and they don't express their blueness. I don't, don't sense that um, we're getting a proper gauge of what people think here. Because if you look around, it looks like Trumpville. We have like, we have uh, parades and uh, such like water parades for him. What did it look like in 2016? It was not that overt in 16 in six. So in 16, I think more people were on the sly with their Trump support. 
Now I think people are more on the sly with their Biden support. What I've campaigned for locally and which I believe is that there, there is effectively like a nihilist platform behind Biden. That's what I see. You ask people why they like Biden. They won't tell you anything that they believe about Biden. They'll tell you everything they believe about Trump. So it's like, okay, you're, so your, your, your position is, uh, it circles around Trump. It may be like a, a negative a negative, uh, velocity, but like argue, you, are, you are defined. I would argue, aside from his immediate family, 100% of the Biden voters are voting against Trump. Right. Yeah. There's 100%. And in, in 2016, there were, uh, these people that would say, Oh, I'm voting for Trump that you would never would think would ever vote in their, in their life. And Trump inspired them. I've found an equal number of people, um, this time around who have never been to a ballot polling location, but now they're voting, they're voting for Biden. Um, and for whatever reasons, mainly it's just because they think they have to hate Trump or that he's a threat. But I've heard wild things coming from people who really have no business having a political opinion. Um, but now they have super strong opinions that they're willing to almost die for. Um, and it all has occurred in four years. That's I don't think Hollywood, he can that's win. The Hollywood bot army. I don't think he can win with that as your platform. Vote against Trump, though. I, I, I don't think of, so either, because it's one side is campaigning about Trump, and that's Trump, and the other side is campaigning about Trump, and that's Biden. And our whole so, country right, was right. formed about the whole country was formed about being against something. Yeah, we really like it down here. <laughs> yeah, and and that's also kind of how we won in 2016, anyhow. But as far as the divisions arise, I do worry about massive polarization between both electorates. Um, I think there's people no... are going to be tired of voting is what I suspect. I, I, I'm not going to vote. I might, I might actually show up and turn, up, turn in an empty ballot. But I, 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 I would I like to see the voter myself. But, you know. you what I want to see or what I hope to see. Everything but president on the ballot if you wanted to. That's what I'll probably do. Yeah. Probably what I'll do. And, and I and – I, I, I don't I do that almost as a Trump supporter, which is weird. I don't know that that's something I should encourage or not, but I don't I would like to see the voter turnout get very, very low. And I, I think that there's a good possibility that happens if the voter turnout is low enough, then we'll probably get some representation is what I'm thinking. And, I, and you know, there's there's a whole the whole path that that'll be. But I'm, I'm thinking that's what we're going to see. I'm hoping that's what we're going to see. So maybe I'm just like skewed there. Hmm. But I'm hoping we get a voter turnout of like 40 percent. Something like that. So, like, less than half the country felt compelled to have a decision on the matter, and I, I would just like to see that kind of thing happen. Personally, because then we can do things like, okay, well, nobody, nobody really wanted this. Like, nobody, this is just absurd. And then, and then we can just be like, okay, this is, we're, we're going to have a sanctuary city. We're going to do things our way, and like, yeah, that's going to be, you know, a major political conflict. But I think it's what people are going to want. Do you think that that's people think. are actually going to come to the same realization? about things uh, regarding that percentage turnout that you just did, though? I've been, all I can say is that in my neighborhood, I've been promoting that. <laughs> the reason I've been promoting that, and I don't know if there's other Chris Roses out there. There probably aren't. But uh, I, I make the point that it's, it's far more American to not vote for president at this point because the parties are solely committed to uh, demonizing half the country. So when voting takes that form, you're not voting anymore you're you're just having a proxy battle and so now you, you have to ask yourself if proxy battling is is what's in the country's interest and and i don't think it is 
Um, so it, so, that, so there's that. And then, I mean, the other thing that's very obvious is like you can write down all the, like, for me, the way I see it is professionalism took over the national ethic and professionalism is just might make right. So every other value is going to get eviscerated. It's going to be rendered sterile. Like if you believe in, you know, like God or something, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not a God person, but if you believe in it, that's fine. But you just get charged for that. And it's like, okay, well, that's, that's not sustainable. Um, and so I, I think that uh, what we probably need to do is just come up with better voting systems where we can be represented because, oh yeah, the point I was making was that, okay, so like you can put things down on a ballot on, on a, on a, on a piece of paper. Like what, what is it that you want as a citizen? Maybe you want like, I don't know, like reduced carbon emissions, or maybe you want like drastic change in the school system, or maybe you want, um, you know, international uh, separation, all, all these things you can write down and then you can just throw that piece of paper away because it's completely irrelevant. You have, you know, a choice of blue and red or, or, you know, woke or based and it's just not voting anymore. So, I think you're doing more harm by telling people that they're voting when they, they really evidently aren't in my mind, then you're doing good. So that's, that's the way I see it. I don't think that'll be a popular opinion. It probably won't catch on. Um, but uh, like eventually it might, I don't know. I could see the possibility that it does. I mean, if only idiots voted for president and the rest just voted for mayor, we'd probably have a better country. Yeah, I agree. And not only that, but then we'd also be able just to dismiss the whole thing. We could just be like, okay, well, look. Exactly. Uh, this is just for stupid. This is a, it's a trap for the idiots. Like, who, they're, 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 they're voting. I mean, it's becoming crusader politics. Like, you're, you're voting. Here's where it gets really interesting to me is you're voting for, like, the person who will vanquish the enemy. It's just the, the, the crusades will follow. It's, you know, the saviors are lining up for who will save us. So, like, come Election Day, what's probably going to happen is half the country is going to realize that their savior uh, was defeated and there's no hope. So th- if that's the kind of politics we're playing in, we can expect, you know, like arsons to start after that and then skirmishes and battles from there. I mean, that's what happened to the Which, left in 16. Right. I mean, the, I, I suspect the arsons will be like the next thing. Like we're already starting to see that, but like, the function of the politics is, is in fact to press people to form a consensus. Like you'll, you'll see this in every room over time is that there's value in having a consensus opinion. Um, and if you push it too hard, like people throw fists, but if you push it at the right amount, then we can have things like, uh, you know, the right side of the road versus the left side of the road. And it's, there's a major efficiency, but when the politics are, are working poorly, people are increasingly incentivized to press for consensus. And the way they're going to do that is what you're seeing where they're in the streets. Um, if that doesn't, get people out of their homes, then they'll just light their homes on fire. Like that'll be the next step. And has the large street movements of Europe, the yellow vests and stuff, has that resulted in any real change or no? In Brexit, is a change. I would say no. I mean, at the heart of the, we're all like Bitcoin types. So like at the heart of all of this, like we know the money, like the game of Monopoly was won. Like that's, that's the deal. We all know it. We, we have universal basic income. It's called indexing. And like there's, there's these solutions that are out there and we're supposed to sell them. And I don't mind selling them, but it's gotten hard for people to sell. Not, not, the, the professionals are supposed to be set, the ones selling this stuff and they gave up. That was their job. Their job was to sell like indexing. Their job was to sell 
uh, assimilation plans and they gave up. So now it's like on us, like the sort of, you know, citizen to start deciding if we can sell it or if we're going to do better. And the Bitcoiners told us they could do better. Um, I say they because I, I just don't identify with any of this like virtue signaling nonsense that it turned into. And that's a shame. Um, not, not that the movement's over with, but like, you know, people got to get serious and we'll see if they do. Are you including BTC and BSV as Bitcoiners or you mean BTCers? I, I left it undefined. Like, I mean, the question yeah. should be out there, right? Like you, you have to decide. I don't think this project called cryptocurrency is a failure. I do think that we have systemic issues that will wipe out some of these, some of these currencies. So like uh, maybe this will get into JAL's like ideal, the issues I have with JAL's ideal money pursuit respectfully, but like Bitcoin's like liquidity comes from Tether. Okay. That's not cool because Tether is the most easily censored product uh, that we've ever had. It's not censored. So be it, but it could be at any time. And that's, that's a major risk. Um, the, the, the way the way to offer a advantage in, in these environments is, is probably not with um, publicly auditable blockchains like you, you fungibility is you know, going to be what you want in the, these severe political environments. And uh, these these types of issues um, are what I see affecting us. So I would not be the least bit surprised if, um, you know, the, these these issues are forced to be resolved sometime, uh, you know, which the powers that be, I decide to clean up house. See if that happens. Just a relevant sort of but ten, tangential topic, but do, do you see inflation coming in, say, the United States because of all of this um, pandemic stuff? Financial portfolio is, is structured in such a way as to bet on that. So I, I do see that, yes. Uh, I may I may lose that bet. I won't you know I won't go insolvent, but I, I've invested heavily there. That thesis. And you don't uh, right? you don't call that just a hedge. You you're you're betting on it. You're going to gamble on it. I I'm not throwing the weather load into that gamble. But if you if you evaluate my portfolio, you will find that it is um, overexposed to risks that are commensurate with uh, a, a an inflationary uh, economic environment. So. So, well, I mean, I guess underexposed to inflationary risk, but uh, I like cash flow producing assets. So, I, real estate's been great. I love real estate. Um, that's a great way to hedge against inflation. Probably, you know, we'll find out if you know the the real estate prices take a big collapse. Um, I have some crypto. Uh, I, I don't really hold that much cash. I do have you know enough, but uh, not a crazy amount. And um, I have some stocks and bonds. I think the stock market will probably take a big tumble as we, I mean, so yeah, so some of these issues are going to be resolved by cutting down on the internet's uh, bullshit. And it, it could be the case that we're seeing this with TikTok that like, you know, POTUS just says like, okay, the, 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 these social networks now have to follow these rules. And then, you know, the internet uh, websites, uh, you know, lose a lot of money, which is responsible for you know, the majority of the stock value. So like, I, I, you know, there's that, there's a lot of risks out there. There's, you can make a great case for and against anything, but yeah, I, 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 I Try to keep money out of out of paper fiat, and take that money and put it into real estate and rent. I rent. You know, I'm a landlord, so that's how I see that. What's nice about being a landlord is that when when inflation goes up, so does my rents. So I have constantly adjusted 
turn there. Do you worry as a landlord about the type of tenants you have um, and, and their politics when it comes to like they, if, do you want honest people living under you or do you, can you even check that or do you worry that, you know, you're going to have people under you who, who view you as an oppressor and they want, you know, they think you're part of the whole capitalist evil. Do you and look one day they're just gonna... trying to do the most harm to Krista Rose? So my tenants are pretty. My tenants are pretty good. They bring up very good points. I, I noticed that like there's not a lot of love for landlords out there right now. So like if if there's if it would not surprise me. Like if something terrible happens to me, it's probably going to be because I'm a landlord. Like it would not surprise me if there's in some terrible battle between you know, east and west parts of South Florida, the landlords get the axe, and then it'll be like, well, Chris Rose, you know, he found out the hard way, you know, uh, this this or that lesson. Um. And yeah, like so. There, so the, the neighbors gentrifying, and the the people who are getting the curb are not happy with me because I'm the one who's putting them out. Like I'm probably going to buy another property here even before the end of the year, and they see me buying up the block. So you know, while they're having a hard time making rent, I'm some punk ass with clean teeth who is you know owning you know many times the number of homes that they do, and uh, so they they don't like that. I give them free beer. That's maybe my solution. <laughs> I, give, I give them free beer. It's the best I can do. And so I, I have, I, because I'm a landlord, I end up with free beer, as it turns out anyway. So I, I give that out. So um, see if that's, if that's going to stem the tide. You know, another thing, too, I'll say, I, 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 the lack of courage in America is so fucking disappointing to me. Like, if it's my, if it's my like, fate to just die in the, I don't know, in the witch burning, like, uh, like I've had 38 years here. It would suck. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to live a life, uh, where that happens. But at the same time, it's like, I have, zo- I have zero regret regrets. Just, you know, maybe I lived in Rome at its peak. You can't get too greedy. You got to understand that like you got to live your life and have some modicum of courage. And yes, there will be risk there. Like you, like, especially if you're an investor, like that's the deal. Like you're not, you know, we, we, you cannot be so sterilized in your existence that you don't understand your relationship with nature. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta find that somewhere. Online courage is on the rise, but in life, in real life, courage is definitely at a nadir. Yeah. Well, you should go. Here's the thing, okay? Like, this is the stuff they don't really get into. You, you should go in the ghetto. The courage in the ghetto. You know, all, all this talk about diversity and the things we got to do for the people that are, like, the, if, if there is an uprising and it comes from the ghetto, like, I, I, can't, I, can, I can't knock it. After a point, because there is there's a matter of the size of the fight in the dog that we never give any attention to and that is wholly relevant in all these discussions. And if we've lost sight of that, then we deserve to lose. And, you know, there's it's not the best environment. I would agree. But if you create an environment where that can't be discussed, then you you're you're going to reap what you sow. So if you if you want to find courage, go in the ghetto. I mean, like there are gunshots that go off. And uh, there is a cowboy environment in some of these places story, but I can tell you that it's a lot more courage than I see exhibited online. So the courage exists. It just may be that the places we're looking are uh, places of fear. That's true. Other, so another thing that I'm wondering in the politics, because I see it here it does seem as if the beach areas are very conservative and 
I wouldn't be surprised if the party lines just divide uh, based on like your proximity to the beach. So that'll be interesting because you'll have a demographic of people who are probably like professional in their sympathies for the blue and haven't realized the alliance they've made with the people who are very quickly going to kick them out of their houses at gunpoint in so doing. And that'll be weird if it go, if it comes to that, hopefully it won't, but I see that. So like the people, <laughs> the people who think that they're like, they're going to bestow upon the ghetto, like opportunity in their like bank. Um, they, they may find that's not the kind of opportunity that the, you know, the ghetto wants. Yeah, like, oh, so like a good example of that. So like uh, the islands are their own socioeconomic classes here. And I, I'm on, you know, like a nice island, but the island north of me, the home value there is like a hundred million dollars plus. And all that separates it is, you know, a moat. So like I, it's that there's not even that many people there. So I, I wonder if there isn't going to be like a Black Lives Matter march through those houses if they don't watch it. I don't know what the plan is. People aren't really thinking. So, we'll, you know, we'll see. It's, it's just weird to me to watch because, like, if I gave you, like, a guided tour, like, you can almost see the lines. It, it's like there's – they might as well just put them on the ground. It, it's like literally and water that, that separates them. You're, and you're saying they just need to say, oh, let's get a boat. I mean, if you go to Los Angeles, there's literally one block – I mean, it's not not even water that separates literally Skid Row from like yeah, totally you totally high end apartments. You could uh, be at a movie premiere on the red carpet and turn to your left, and there's some dude shitting in the bucket. Like, yeah, like right across the street. Like, yeah. So like, I don't know. I always thought Los. I, I lived in Florida. I live, I guess, pretty close to where Chris is. I lived in West Palm. Uh, I lived in Palm Beach Garden. I lived in Palm Beach Gardens for a while. Um, and uh, I lived in Los Angeles, uh, Long Beach, for a while. And, uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- to me, like, Los Angeles is more of a cauldron than South Florida, for sure. Because, um, like, in Los Angeles, like, every race has its thing about another race. And then you have the economic thing on top of that. And then every little... Like Compton is its own thing, and like Watts is its own thing, and uh, Gardena. Like every like these little communities are are just kind of like can be very very different, and it's literally a traffic light that's separating them. Uh, I think in Florida we have a um, like a bourgeoisie Latin class for sure. That, yeah, that has a, that probably enables like more. Is it like like a, a, a more like. Uh, I don't know, sensible ethic, maybe. I, but I, I'm not sure about that. Um, I think it's where they came but, from. They came from yeah. mostly communist areas, socialist areas. Exactly. So they have exactly. one different mentality. In Los Angeles, like, every ethnic group has its bougie class. Like, there's there's really rich Vietnamese. There's really rich... Uh, you know, Japanese. It doesn't. It, there's there's Mexicans that are our first generation that started a business in SoCal, and they live at the in the high end of a you know, on the hill in Long Beach, overlooking everything. You know, like it's um, the the number of divides in Los Angeles in, in the Los Angeles area was just more obvious and apparent to me than when I lived in Florida. I don't know. 
the, the place um, I think is really coming to a point in Florida is the school system. And I'm watching the neighborhood arguments around that. And that's, and that's kind of pushed on to us by the politicians at the national level when we have all of these, like, you know, hysterics around what the colleges are doing, begetting these questions. But that seems to be where, um, in the, like the socioscape, a lot of the friction is right now. And, like, I, I think what's going to happen is a lot of the single parent households are going to probably overvote the two parent households. And, and that's going to get real weird. I don't, we'll probably have like white flight as a result of that. So what you, I could, yeah, I could see like two parent households going north, letting the area become a single parent household dominated culture. Um, and then you'll have like the childless hanging out, uh, on the, like myself over here on the islands who have to deal with that. Yeah. If, if I, if I had kids and I could afford it, I would not send them to a public school. I would get them far away from. So what you should consider even far away from people that have to rely on the public school system as, as, as fast as possible. Right. So what you should, but what you should consider is that like, it's a good tactical maneuver for the lower classes to impose public school onto you. And that's probably what would happen or will happen is my suspicion. So you have, you have these like glaring um, contradictions wherein like the mayor sends his kids to private school and Lords over the public school system. And I don't think that's sustainable. I think what will happen is the single parent households will be like, no, you're, you're going to, if you're going to lead us, you're going to deal with the problems we deal with. And you're going to send your kid to public school. And it, even in the professional class, you can see like, it, I really can't say enough bad things about professionals. And I, I know that that you know, offends people, but it's good. But like in, in the professional class, you have that, you have these people that are um, telling us how to make the world a better place by doing these schemes like diversity being an easy one and then you, you ask and find out like well, where is it that you live and what school do your kids go to and it's completely contradicting the thing they it's tell just you, like that having, you have so to you do. having a fat doctor yes yeah. exactly and and worse still is if you bring that up then the punishment will be that your children have to go to public school like the, the scheme has like a few moving parts and there's some levels of indirection there but if you go to your work and you say, like, why am I doing this diversity thing? Like, you may find yourself out of a job, and then you will find all of the pressures that come to bear, the least of which is that you were probably well-paid to promote this scheme. And one of the benefits of being well-paid is that your kids get to go to a better school, and they don't have to do any, any of the things in this scheme. So, like, you have this duplicity in, in, this, in the actors that I don't think are sustainable. And... Some politician, and who knows, maybe even myself, but we'll point that out, is that you, you can't force me to do this scheme when you yourself are the primary perpetrator of the scheme, like the, the, like the pretense for having to do this. So you got to pick one or the other, and if you're going to force this upon us, then you can no longer be the leader. It's going to be like that. And I think that that would actually win a popular referendum in any environment where you have like single parents struggling to get by driving by a private school uh, on their way to work, knowing that their children are effectively doomed from the opportunity that that school imposes. It's just it's like something's, this is part of like the, the sort of microcosm of optics that we started with. I lied, about, lobby, my, you know? I lied about my uh, address to high school to avoid such a thing. Yeah. We all oh, do. Really? We, we, it's an open conspiracy. We all know what it is we're fucking doing. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's and, and that's coming home to roost. Like that that scheme, 
Like it, re- it required a lot of moving parts in order to continue. And those moving parts, they stopped. And we haven't, I don't think we've really digested what that means yet. So, um, and, and you know what, I guess it depends. So I have to say. Much, uh, a lot of it isn't so much that these people who are, have been subjected to all these trainings or public school or whatever, they're not going to say, okay, well, let us get involved and rebuild. They're just going to pretty much say, no, we're going to drag everybody above us down to our level. Um, so there won't be really much of a solving of the problem. It'll just be like a backwards keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. Oh, you got it. Right. So they're right. And you know what? I got to say, like, it's it's bad for the country. I get it. Um, but only in the short term. I think in the long term, that's going to be good. Like the professional class has this short termism. Really, Americans do. But like you have to blame the professionals for leading us here. Uh, they have this short-termism environment, and that short-termism requires us to do things like propel uh, our, our family to the top and America be damned. Uh, it's just – it's not sustainable. So, like, while – like, nobody wants to be the generation that has to cut the fat, but hmm. that's that's probably what we're going to find ourselves having to do. And I, I, I probably would opt out of that. Like, if I was raising a kid, I'm just not going to be the one to do that, you know? Like, it's it's a sucker's bet. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not that good a person. Um, and so that'll probably come to some kind of conflict. I'm guessing. Hmm. And I, I think that most Bitcoiners, if that's really a group would be on those lines too. They, they recognize all the conflicts, but they're not going to be the ones who, uh, they sort of realize how futile it is to play. All the- okay. So can we just jump a little and compare that to, um, the development of the protocol and you can include the arguments of whether BSV or BCH is the true po- protocol. Um, there's a comparability there, is there not? Like, I mean, like you yeah. have voters, then you have you have politicians in the space that that are promoting changes. Definitely. The, 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 you know, I haven't had the patience for a lot of like these discussions. I don't mind having them. I think they should be had, but it's like. Anytime you have them, the maniacs get more airtime than the sober people, and you know you, you end up getting labeled a rapist or something ridiculous for like <laughs> saying saying that Bitcoin has a leader. Um, but yeah, it's just a crazy, right? Like I don't have I, there's only so much patience I have at this point. Um, the way I see it is we we have these like structural lies that could have been glossed over under the right leadership, but we, we didn't have that. It's not exactly anyone's <laughs> fault. It's like social media also like imposed upon us, like this manic environment. Probably nobody could navigate. Now you're at this point where you have these ticker symbols. There's still a camp of people called the maximalists who, who have all of these different justifications and rationalizations for why the field of ticker symbols doesn't exist. Um, but uh, I, I'm not as smart as them. I just see that there's a field of ticker symbols. So I'm going to go with what I see. Uh, I'm okay not being the genius that, you know, uh, Safe and Dean or what the Steven guy, you know, these people are. Um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to default to trusting my vision. So, so now you see that you have multiple competing leadership teams for Bitcoin. And the, the question of whether or not, like, one is true or false is kind of a matter of, of force, I think. Like, how much, like, how many, how many, like, battalion soldiers can you like devote to like enforcing this identity and like the answer is zero all around so then it gets kind of it becomes like a faith-based thing i guess 
And I don't know. I have to, I have to say, like, I, I, I strongly suspect that Bitcoin probably is going to be the, the like Bitcoin core um, is going to be the true Bitcoin only because it has the biggest market cap and not because of any justification or rationalization. Um, so that being the case, the way that you should fight for opposing that is probably by uh, fighting against its source of liquidity, which is Tether. And then as soon as you like knock that out, and you may come to find that the next true symbol to rise doesn't have that liquidity issue, which which may still be Bitcoin Core, or it may be another Bitcoin, or it may even be a different uh, non-Bitcoin uh, ticker symbol altogether. I don't know. But you have to consider that like if liquidity is the product, then what is true it might just regret like re- sort of regress to a form of might makes right. So then whoever has the most liquidity is is the winner. And then that that yeah. That's how I see that. Like that's it's you have to it's not a matter in my mind of I guess I guess what I'm saying is it's like I'm less of the it's not that this isn't a worthy calculation, but I'm less of the mindset of like discovering what is true. I'm more of the mindset we're going to create what's true. And so then the question is like, what, how do like chain link is a perfect example of that. We can get into well, but, that allows um, the, that's a better, what you're saying to be irrational, right? And people are irrational and uh, it might just be that all of the rationalists yes, are minority I agree with that. chains that exist. So rationalism that. is a bitter pill and it's a long conversation. I'll try to spare us, but like, most like like you have to ask yourself like is Christianity a rationalization, and I think it is. Um, and so then and so then you have to ask yourself like okay like where what is irrational in that in that sense then, and and it often comes down to like what is proper. Um, and I can walk you through that, and you can disagree with that, or you know this is it's a theory, but like it helps the definition of rationalization here that will probably be more useful. Uh, the action of attempting to explain or justify behavior or an attitude with logical reasons, even if these are not appropriate, that la- that last like stanza there, even if these are not appropriate, that's where it becomes a matter of propriety. Propriety is a special word in my works. And, and say it again. Propriety is a special word in my work. So I use that a lot and it's a very helpful word, I believe. My words, did you, my space words that we said, or in, in his work, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's oh, in your work. Gotcha. Yes. How do you decide what's proper? Like that's that's even at the heart of the politics as well. Like what? So like that that question I think has a very easy answer actually, but maybe you have maybe you have something. Well, you might not be able to extrapolate the answer, but it's in the direction of what everyone accepts. Like it, the group decides propriety would be what I would say. Yeah, okay. What you may come to find, what I've come to decide, this is kind of like a postmodern thesis, like beware, but it, it's good good thesis. Um, Harvard decides what's proper. <laughs> and that the center of the truth regime is Harvard University. And you can see this in almost all of academia. Like like Stephen, who was supposed to show up today, who didn't, is like never going to be able to even comprehend this because he's been fully institutionalized. But if you haven't been fully institutionalized, what you can you can see, seemingly, is that if you put like academics in a room, and they have to say like what is ideal money or or some such thing, what happens is they arrange themselves into a moral hierarchy, um, principally by by their degree, and whoever's closest to Harvard wins the argument. 
so that that's how propriety is affected in most situations in society. It's also why people with college degrees are worth more. You can have a Harvard education very easily, and you should. Um, it's not even that hard. I mean, you got to work hard, obviously, and you got to read a lot, and you got to you know watch a lot of lectures. But there's no barrier to entry. Um, however, the degree is where the barrier to entry is because the degree is what allows you to dictate the prejudice and determine propriety. So you can be just as educated and probably even more educated than a degreed individual, but you don't you don't carry the license to create truth. So like that's that's like the, the sort of postmodern angle on propriety and rationalization. And so when we when we look at a lot of these systems, it, it could be considered that um, th this framework of evaluation, or like the the incidentals related to that framework, could explain what people think. Jal, do you think that's in, true? In terms of propriety? I, I, it, I don't look at it as in true or not true. It's a framework, right? And I'm interested in, so now Bitcoin came along and it was presented stripped of anything such as a Harvard label. Was it not? So how do you relate those? Because it's well, becoming... I mean, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin is kind of like a secular religion in my mind. And as an origination myth, like, so, okay, so rationalizations typically in order to be proper outside of the university system and, and, and universities rarely offer rationalizations. Like they're, they're often very anti-rationalization almost by edict. But um, typically if you want to offer rationalization, you, you need a martyr typically. And from the martyr will spring forth some matter of propriety because there's like skin in the game and there's meaning and sacrifice. And so that becomes a proper sacrifice or a proper justification from there. So in the case of Bitcoin, we actually did have an academic heritage, interestingly, you know, the sense of like how Finney's involvement and such way die. But I think what really propelled that rationalization forward was the martyr of Satoshi. So like that might be chalk one for uh, BTC as the true Bitcoin, though I don't think that Bitcoin core is in any way offering BTC at this point. So like that's. B, that BTC, you can get BTC. It's going to be the Bitcoin dot foundation. Bitcoin Core, I don't think is BTC. It's sort of like the Microsoft model of embrace and extend. And we, I think we all think that, that they're probably, you know, sympathists to uh, non BTC tokens. Uh, but like generally that's how rationalizations are born. So it, it, it's a bit of a, I understand that it's a bit of a, uh, uh, like a contradiction in terms because like there, there isn't a logical reason why a person should have to die to create a story that becomes true, but we, we see it evidenced in front of us all the time. Absolutely. So that's, that's that, yeah. I, I, Jal, I think that answers your question. Whether it's logical or not, it's, it's like kind of the audience has to decide. So when you refer to my... A, here's a quick aside. Uh, the audience kind of is deciding on shawwars.com. Chris, you're in the lead right now with uh, oh, 19 Thanks, votes. Everybody. Jal, you got eight <laughs> votes. Uh, you guys can you could vote for yourself if you wanted to. Uh, you know that's kind of how how that system works. It is anonymous voting generally, probably not on their end. They probably know. Uh, uh, I'm not if, so vain. If, your, if, you're, if it's your particular wallet or not. Uh, but yeah. I just think it's funny when the politicians vote for themselves. I don't know why. Just this is like amusing. <laughs> There's going to be uh, one week available after the broadcast. 
to vote for this event on showers. Okay, so we got some campaigning time to do this. You have some campaigning time to do, correct. Okay. So I was going to ask, Chris, um, what when you refer to sort of my concept of ideal money or what it comes across to you as, what, what does it sound like I'm saying? What am I talking about? So I, I have to confess, like you, I, I do respect you. Um, I respect you because you have seen your writings. You're not an idiot, uh, far from it. And you also, uh, you have gumption. You stick to it. And I think you might just be smarter than me, honestly, on a lot of this stuff. I am not nearly as educated. I don't think anybody in this space is as educated as you are on matters of John Nash. Um, that being said, what ideal Whoa. money represents to me, <laughs> I mean that. It's, you know, like we, we have these like, these bar brawls that are great. Like they're fun. But sometimes like, you know, like the bar brawl is not the best way to like resolve an argument about like dentistry or something, you know, like what you should do for like the, the dental patient. Like it's not the best way to get about. So like what Jail has to say, his perspective is specialized and it should be heard. And he very well may be mostly right or entirely right. Um, himself, like the victim of a world that has gone mad. So like, you know, it's like, so much you can do about that sometimes. Uh, that would be my concern in, in, in Jal's case. But the matter of what is ideal money to me seems as if John Nash substantiated in, in his ethical system what it would be to be a just form of money than all of his comprehensions of the world in his game theoretic system. Like it, it's kind of like a lightweight comprehension of ideal money but that's what it always seems like to me whenever i see this broached right 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 i i would boil it down like not even really arguing it or whatever but there's an interesting concept of having uh the major currencies that exist today stabilize interrelationally and i think that viewed in a certain way, Bitcoin can be that catalyst towards that. And so I, I would more be trying to point to that possibility. I, I don't think, I don't think Bitcoin can be that. I, I hate to be a downer, but I do think that we have that possibility in this space. I, I think, I think Bitcoin is a victim of numerous and too much success too soon. And like, I don't know, I don't know that John Nash has a concept of community, uh, how to put it, like adherence, I guess, in money that I understand. But the problem we have with Bitcoin is that we, we probably did not scale on the, the ground fast enough. And um, we kind of just sat on our laurels. So like the way that this space needs to mature is going to be in a way that uh, doesn't associate us with these centralized liquidity centers because they own us or at least they own Bitcoin. And what's going to happen is when those, when those liquidity centers disappear, Bitcoin's going to go down the, down the, down the pooper. Um, if we have what, what I, you know, I've traveled uh, a lot of places, but like Argentina has notoriously had a phenomenal solution to this problem. I was hoping we would see this here in America. We may, it depends on you guys, the listeners, a lot of other you yeah. know people but, um, in you know, Buenos Aires, you can you can go down these streets that are they have these sort of um, establishments, you know, or like uh, I don't know, like almost vaude, like vaudevillian 
setups where there's like a guy that you talk to about the thing and then in very little time you're exchanging money. That's what we're going to need in this space. I don't see Bitcoiners are not going to do that. Bitcoiners are like the most pious people on the planet now and they'll block you if, you know, if you don't like the same uh, you know, flavor of ice cream that they like. They're, they're not going to have the gumption to do something like that. That's what's going to be needed. It'll probably happen, actually. I, I actually, I, I would almost go as far as to say it's like a certainty. The question is going to be what the what what is chosen, what token and, they end up using in in the blaze. Correct. Or if they use a token, like it could end up being toilet paper, you know, like famously toilet paper, maybe something else. We had a toilet paper shortage, so yeah, maybe that's we said. But um, someone has to go sell it. I can tell you that, like. Like, okay, so here, like in my little area, I, you know, I don't know if I should say this. Like, I think, I think this is like a ability, but I'm going to say it. People have come to me, do exchanges, have honored those exchanges, and they're not large sums of money. But these are people who have, are completely outside of our community who have a need for cryptocurrency. And you know, I try to exercise discretion um, and all of these things, but, um, they're, these are small. These are small exchanges for people who are like friendly to me and who kind of know me. But you know, that's the kind of thing you got to start doing if you want to see this thing succeed. And there is a latent need for that. Can guarantee you that. It's it's gonna it's gonna be hard work. It's gonna take grit. Now I think you're speaking to Bitcoin as like an everyday money for the everyday citizen. Is that correct? I mean, it, uh, candidly, it's mostly been like the back page types that I've been dealing with who got locked out of uh, Backpage. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a model citizen. <laughs> you know? I'm not, uh, I, you know, I, I know these people because they're just good people and they happen to be even my neighbors in some cases. I help them out. And they, they, it's, a, you know, something I like to do. They don't want to use an ATM if they can help it for varying reasons, most of which are benign. They're, they're just fine people. They're just trying to, you know, make a buck. Uh, they're a little desperate. And, it, and the, the machines are complicated. And they're complicated because of all the, like, the laws you got to follow. Um. And then some of these people, you know, like who knows what their story is, but like getting a, like scanning an ID is a problem. Some of it's just competence too. Like some of these people are not, they're not that bright. Nice people, not that bright. So you have to do a little bit of like handholding, you know, like this is a Bitcoin wallet. Uh, this is Bitcoin. And like, they don't want to hear the story of Roger Veer and Bitcoin core and the holy man who visited us. They don't want to hear any of that bullshit. They don't give a fuck. They don't want to hold Bitcoin. They have to use Bitcoin. If it solves problems, they'll use it amongst each other. And there's a need out there. And I, I bet you that needs even higher in the bad parts of town. This is the good parts of town that I see this. Um, that'll all go away with, with, a, with a press of a button if the liquidity centers are based on Tether. I would almost go so far as to say, like, it probably needs to be a demerit against the growth potential. Uh, any of these tokens, if it is seeing, you know, exposure to Tether as a significant uh, component of its liquidity. So, I mean, I've, I've made no bones about, like, my affinity for Monero. Like, I, I, I really like Monero. That's kind of my horse in the game, I guess, in terms of my gambling here, uh, for reasons relating to this. I don't think Monero has as large a risk exposure to Tether I wouldn't be surprised if, like, if there was like a market crash if Tether, if if Monero kind of like at that time popped up. How big the market cap will be, I don't know. 
but it, you know, in terms of what I, I find to be ideal for me in a colloquial sense in this environment, uh, Monero checks off a lot of the boxes that I like. The sort of a jump again, but it's relevant. You you did a bit sort of, yeah, it was in a sense a stunt, but I think you felt you had a point. I, I did something similar and I think we had a similar result. For you. What, what was your, what was yours about? I proposed a mission statement, if I remember right. And um thought that would just be, I, at the time, my hope was, uh, this isn't, Perhaps uh, the right thing to do in retrospect, but I think it, I think it was the best idea that I could have come up with. And I think it could have worked an alternate universe that we could have come to bear if we all got the same page. But um, hey, we could have followed an institutional model similar to like Wikipedia or, um, you know, like TCP or IP or these types of things. And in a sense that there was like some pretense of leadership and values we could point to. Uh, instead of like this weird reactive thing that had no leader that had a leader that everybody you had, you had to like really be dumb in order to believe. Um, in any case, yeah, that's what I did. I proposed that we have a mission statement and the mission statement I copied right from like the Linux foundation mission statement. It was like the most benign mission statement. It was like we, it wasn't, I, I intentionally made it as apolitical as possible. So I don't remember it off the top of my head. So maybe we can find it. It was just like, we believe in sending digital money. <laughs> you know, it was something like that. And uh, it was just like a very basic, like, we the people declaration. And um, I will say, interestingly enough, I, the, the thing that I think probably worked against me is like, is like the Ted Kaczynski problem, where like truth is illegal. And then the problem is that like the person who speaks the truth damns the truth. And then like that makes it like insurrectable. Something like that. Like, there's this weird contradiction there. You should go read, like, Ted, I know this is, like, a bit extreme. I apologize to everybody. In, in, but, like, you should read, like, the, the what, Industrial Future in a Society, and you should give, you should grade that paper. You should give it a grade. You should pretend that you're, like, an English teacher, and then you should, like, you should read it. You should print it out, and you should read it, and then you should write the grade at the bottom. It, and it, it gets an F. And it gets an F not because of anything that it says. It gets an F because Ted Kaczynski wrote it. Ted Kaczynski is a bad person. And that's why I guess an F. And so, like the same thing is true for like my BIP and probably for your BIP. Like it could be completely true, but because you wrote it, it gets an F. Maybe I'm wrong. Like what was your experience? No, no, that's very, I understand all that. And that is exactly it. And I, I too tried to make it not just apolitical, but very non-controversial from someone who wants Bitcoin to um, really succeed. But um, by attaching some sort of a clarification to it of what the direction we want to take it, that then it gets an F, even if it's like right. very generic. Correct. And then you have to ask yourself, like, why, why did lightning get an A? Like, not, I don't even care about the technical merit of lightning. Like you may think that it was in fact the best thing to do or the worst thing to do. I think it got an A because of who wrote it. I think it had an A because it, you know, it was inherently technically, uh, an achievement. I think it was that there, there was in fact a leader and there are cronies and these are like natural, it's not a conspiracy. This is the natural way that a company of men assembles. But I think. Absolutely. And, and then you're calling it for what it is. And of course you, you get 
this type of backlash um, about it. And so, and that same thing. So my BIP, um, yeah, of course, it's just not going to be heard. You won't be heard. Not, not in the great courts of where they'd make these discussions, you know, have weight. Right. And this is like a greater societal issue. Like opportunities is, is in fact squandered by this cultural session that seems to have developed uh, that I, I call professionalism. I don't, I think that's what it is. Um, you can see it manifested in, in Bitcoin. Well, in some ways, I almost think that, yeah, the way that I went about it was not, was doomed because there probably is, in fact, a professional core in Bitcoin core. So if that's true, then it matters less what we do and more who says it. That, that's not, that is not sustainable um, at all for society. That, just, that is just like a weird form of cronyism. Um, I can take all of the esoteric parts out of my argument and boil it down to I think we can make Bitcoin as gold was on the gold standard where people don't need to spend it as their daily money but something that like nations and uh, high value institutions would settle with and then it doesn't need all of this um evolution of the protocol it doesn't need to scale in the sense that people are arguing about how it should be scaled um and then so my bit becomes don't change anything unless you're furthering that goal which you already have it that's a fine attitude you in some of these things you got to decide what it is you want you want, are you here to get rich or are you here to like make world peace yeah and then well Right, and if you want to convince people to do something the way you want it, it's sort of got to make them feel like they're going to get rich. Um, but in this sense, you have, like, the I call it the libertarian movement or the maximalists that are really trying to, and this is partly why Lightning got an A, because it solved or addressed the um, scaling war, which I think is kind of fake, but... Um, e- they want to scale it for the individual and they want to create all this privacy for the individual. And that would be as opposed to using it as a large value settlement medium where you might not want it to be private if it's primarily used by central banks, for example. And so the, the, the attacks, the whole shit coin thing, the whole, you know, the fighting, the infighting would make sense because they're not functioning on a logical premise. It's very leaning towards, I guess, libertarian ideals or anarchists. Maybe, you know, there's, it's hard for me to gauge the culture of anything at this point. So like, that's clearly a heritage. Yes. Whether it's the current state of the network, I don't know. To your knowledge with the technology um, on the base layer, can you, does it scale to wash, say, the amount of coins that were um, stolen from Mt. Gox? Do you know this? I don't know this. Because everything that I can see, you, you can't, it doesn't scale because you need to do many transactions to um, sort of wash them and to make it so you can't track it analytically. And then, so you would, 
you would want sort of bigger blocks if you wanted to um, wash large amounts of coins or large amounts of value. I mean, my reactive answer is that, like, why if, if we're at a point where we have to come up with these contortions to create fungibility, then why don't we just put fungibility into the protocol? And then I would say, obviously, fungibility isn't important if you just want to use it such as a gold standard. Well, so note that you positioned the gold standard as like the frame of reference. Why wouldn't you just use the gold standard if you wanted the gold standard? There's The gold standard was good in some ways, but then there's some limitations, such as if gold becomes the important thing, you would then you'd want political control over the physical location of gold mines. Um, and then... And so Bitcoin doesn't have that same problem. And then you could say if gold became in high demand, there might be technological leaps where now all of a sudden you get supply shocks. And then Bitcoin has, you know, the DAA, the difficulty adjustment algorithm that protects it from that kind of thing. So you could see that it doesn't have those limitations. So there's a little bit of a difference there. There's definitely differences and that, I would suggest that like the custody issues are probably very similar. There are clearly differences. Like you don't have to worry about physical uh, protection, but you still have custody issues as referenced by goal of how many washings are necessary. Like that would suggest that there's a, a identifiable custodian. So I, I think that you, you do have a form of custodian issues. Maybe it's mitigated. I don't think it's mitigated by all that much. And if mitigation is required, then why not just put it into the protocol would be my answer. I think you're pointing to privacy when you say custody yes. rather than diff- – okay. That's it's an issue, but I think that that was what was being expressed. I could be wrong. Yeah, and so we can imagine uh, if it's going to be the high-value settlement layer, we would want to know what our banks are holding and and also we would want to be able to cut out the criminals. So that's the fungibility thing. Like I, I can't understand who's fighting right now other than the actual thieves for to not censor the Mt. Gox coins. Like let's get rid of those at least. So you, you suggested that we want credibility in the banks. I agree with you that citizens probably want that, but I don't know that they, the banks, want that, which might be a matter of imposition required in order to create that degree of accountability. Because as I understand it now, the accountability is you know, sort of dubious, not because of a technical failing, but because of an intentional sign. And I had, you know, my point being is that, like, we want banks to do this, yes, it may very well be because we want that, that banks don't want that. And, and then what would be the, like, why would that make it an ideal? Well, we, if we say we would want that, that would be our ideal. Ideal, another part of the definition is it's notion, notionary or, or notional. Um, it's, we conceive it, but it's not necessarily reality. Okay, so this is a great apex because you understand then that there is a communal component to the aspiration and it may very well be a matter of conflict. So what is ideal then 
becomes a matter of what can overcome the friction more so than what it is that is desired by the state of the entire system. And the way you describe that, it's easy to say that game theory is quite relevant. Um, yes, agreed. You, so, so I think I'm trying to change the conversation away from matter of discovering the ideal and instead bringing the conversation of into how do we decide and to enforce what we believe is ideal. I think is a more powerful outcome that Bitcoiners yeah. probably need. Okay, so in that in that case, I think that the, the ideal is constantly being redefined by the conversation, right? And then, um, you know, if you're getting a better opportunity than some other offering, then that's a, that's a rebalancing every time you would want to transact or move to a different uh, nation-state coin or some other cryptocurrency that's offered or assets of any kind you're you're basically able to transmute between whatever to whatever and you're left yeah, well in. that's a fine point i mean the the i mean in that vein something that needs to be considered is that we have like a legion of real deal communists now who not only don't find bitcoin ideal but find money to be the problem and so that creates a hostile environment where it would probably require collusion from a minority against the wishes of the whole in order to create a, a de facto currency. Yeah, that's a that, that part of the maybe, dialogue from them. I mean, a lot of these kids, you're going to lose them as soon as you say money. Like, like they're really that far gone. I've been to some of these BLM things. They're just, they're just communists or aspiring communists. Like, you know, they, don't, they don't even know what that means, probably. That's correct. So there's, a, there's a, if you skip, I, I want to consider that, so the ideal might be we would consider the possibility that we have all of the major currencies in the world stabilize interrelationally. So, so we don't have varying inflation patterns. We might not even say what inflation is, but all of the major currencies are trending and they would be trending on the same line as Bitcoin perhaps too, or or not the same as Bitcoin, but the same in relation to each other. And then they would trend the same compared to Bitcoin, obviously. Um, and then ask, do we have something that gets us to that? I, I would think gold probably even does that in some ways. But I would point out that, and this is a problem I have with a lot of theories and ideologies, and I apologize in advance, but all of these contortions require some ocean of good faith in the involved parties so there so. are many i don't think so well, I'll, I'll tell you why here so like the assumption is being made that we want a stable unit of account in truth we may very well may want a world where the stability is available to some people and not to others and, and the like, same I, thing I goes for credit markets the same thing goes for credit markets i mean i think that yeah. those opportunities are going to exist um, across the board in general, you know, and they're, they're going to be location based. So then you're going to yeah, want so currencies that are able to interface with those opportunities. And it might not be Bitcoin or it might be a variant of Bitcoin, or it might be like a localized coin as we see already, you know, um, you know, when hyperinflation occurs, like it's, it's an opportunity perhaps as well, depending on what you're holding. 
lot of these ideologies and theories and politics are post hoc in the sense that the greed precedes the the rationalization, the justification of the ideology. So it is more the case that I want any any form of, of rationalization. Like that is that is the, the primary instigation for words to come out of my mouth. And so if that's the case, then I'll want Bitcoin in so much as it appreciates in value. And as soon as I feel that it doesn't have that opportunity, I no longer want it. So the, the belief that people are in it for the long haul because they want like a better world may not be uh, a good first principle. It may be a good first principle that Americans want everybody else to lose except for Americans. And that by controlling the U.S. dollar with guns, you can achieve that. And that makes me wonder if like the ideal money premise isn't a bit maligned right out the gates. Uh, when you say ideal money premise, are you talking about the interrelational exchangeability? Or are you, you're saying like of a money that would be like the best money or something? Of money that would be the best money, but I would think it would apply in both cases. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Like, what is it, Gresham's Law? Like, like people will often choose bad money to use. Right, and uh, I think Joe's condition allows that. But, so yeah, there, we would have to unpack that. So what is bad money in Gresham's sense? Okay, well, that, I mean, that's the question, right? Like, the bad money in the Gresham sense is relative to the actor. So, like, relative to the person studying Gresham's Law, like, the bad money is the one that the actors are using. So it gets perverse because the one that is good to the actor is the one that is of low value. So he's in like, he's going to use that money as a matter of preference because he can get rid of it faster. Now, like there's this, yeah. And the idea is that the queen created a fiat and then the gold was hoarded and sold. And, and then the, whatever the fiat was being used, that's sort of the general premise. But from the, if the, if the queen got word that, um, the gold standard was corrupt in some sense and like you better get off of it and so her advisors had her create a fiat and then this could save save the queendom that it would be a good money and we look at it as a bad thing because it doesn't have the value of gold but I, I have never found these letters that Gresham wrote and anyone who ever cites Gresham's law I've never found um, a proper citation to the letters I I suspect they don't say what we're we use good and bad money. I, I, Economics has really let me down as I've gotten older. <laughs> like, it's really sad. I, I I used to really like economics, and I still do. It just lets you down. All these things have started happening in recent years. Like what was once like very obvious stopped being pensable. Uh, that's true for a lot of the uh, the, the ideologies. Unfortunately, I mean, we're still we're kind of like having to reckon with some of the the cold hard truths of, of uh, I guess the institutions we created, of which is that like a lot of this stuff is mythological. Like Gresham's law might just be mythological. Like I don't know if that's exactly what you expressed, but it sounds like it. Well, it's it's not a law of the universe, obviously, and people seem to speak of it as if it is. And then if they don't like a money, like I don't like fiat, so therefore fiat's bad money. And now I can give you my argument how Bitcoin's good money and Gresham likes it and it's moral. And that's sort of nothing. It's not a proper citation. 
I mean, there's a, like even um, the good, the good, good hearts law. Is it good hearts law? I think. Yeah, I, I remember you talking about that. That was interesting. That's an, yeah, that's an easy one, and that, that's like a like a, a sort of cornerstone. Good hearts law is an adage, uh, an adage note. Uh, when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. So that's just a mythology, then. Like, I don't. Is, is it a law? Maybe, but only because like people believe it is. So it's it's a form of Tinkerbell effect, I would suggest, uh, which is to say that if we all believe in Goodhart's law, then that makes it the law. But there's no pen, there's no rationalization or justification or et cetera that you can really like derive. It's it's something that we construct together, and that makes it a lot less empirical to me. And that that's the the field of economics is littered with this now. Uh, all, all really humanities are, and all the dismal sciences are, is that like what makes for an ideal money very well might be uh, mythologizing and performing for the rube an act that convinces them this is the ideal money. And then th- if that's the case, then the ideal money is going to be the one that gets them rich quick. That's, uh, and that's disappointing. Right. And that that's where I was thinking of. So, and if obviously with Bitcoin, I mean, as more and more people like it can be saturated. So there's some point and it's probably fairly early on relatively where like you're going to get the richest gain and then the later followers are obviously going to get less and less gain. And I mean, so it doesn't have that promise as you go by, go along. I mean, that's, this is the chain link chain. This is chain link is one of the best products of 2020. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Not in the sense that you should buy it, but in the sense that you should know its story. Um, There's this form of like evidence dismissal that's rampant all all throughout society, especially in the crypto space. Bitcoiners like refuse to acknowledge the success that is Chainlink. It is a scam, but that's besides the point. Uh, The point is that it, the the, the mythology, the acting took off principally on 4chan. And then, you know, so that's the world thereafter. And this complete nonsense uh, soared in value and, you know, some amount of time. And uh, that that pattern is going to keep on happening. We can't, I don't think we can dismiss that. That that is a recurring pattern. We saw it with Tron, we saw it with EOS, we saw it with Ethereum, we saw it with, I mean, over and over and over, Ripple, every, that this always happens. And the act of performing Get Rich Quick that is compelling makes for a, a ideal money in the short term. Um, I don't know what makes for an ideal money in the long term, uh, unfortunately, save for um, non-speculative value. And that seems to be predicated on liquidity and fungibility here in this space. That's my theory. So then the question is, like, is, is are those the properties that make for ideal money? So, and that's a big if, to be clear, um, Bitcoin has half of that. It used to have all of it. It used to be a very fungible thing, and it is not anymore. So uh, that that's the way I see that. I think it would have to be interesting to point out, like we were having this conversation as a group, say Bitcoiners and then cryptocurrency enthusiasts, and they want to, they're fighting for what is the ideal money. And then there's these essays Nash did where he defined it, and it's defined as something very different than like, what would the individual want? Um, and then moving away from that a little bit, 
from a central banking or institutional perspective, they're not wanting something that they can make a lot of value off of. A very, very stable or non-deflationary, non-inflationary medium would be something that um, they would be interesting in depending on the cost to use it. Well, let me let me ask you, though, this might be in that vein. Is there an ideal money for a given time preference? And if so, the incentives here exist in such a way that people with short time preference uh, are uh, amplified expense to the preferences, the long term type, type, the long term type preference. If so, does that destroy the long term time preference uh, condition? There's a subtitle to the whole works called uh, that says the motivation of savings and thrift, which is kind of what you're asking is to inquire into the types of money that you would want to save and the types of money you would want to spend and, and, and what you would want and why. Um, but it, no, it depends on how you define money because something that you're using as an investment is, and for, to some people, it's not really a money. Like money is that thing that's sort of quite stable that we all use to um, buy things with rather than to save. And you know. There? Illusion? No. Still okay. There. I mean, money is very ephemeral. ephemeral. And I don't know that I believe that there's going to be an objective form of money. It may be the nature of money to be transitional. It may be the nature of money to reflect some group deal in, in some environment only to eventually succumb to uh, the pressures of success and failures and then renew itself. And I, I, I guess I don't know if there's enough nuance in the theory to explore money in those terms. I suspect that money is going to have to be that, but I'm not sure. The other thing, too, about, the, about Nash's theory is, like, does it explain the rise of the dollar? It's another thing that I would I'd be – like, I'm very – I get older. Um, I find myself asking that more and more. Like, this is a good theory. I agree. It's airtight. Awesome. But does it explain how we got here? And if not – and validate it. Mm, and that's that's the U.S. dollar. You you mean specifically? Yeah, like I don't know. That's that a obvious. good criteria. It's not necessarily a good criteria, but I I think it's worth doing as a thought experiment. Like, why is it that if if like the the, the theory was sound, why did it not predict the incumbency? Why is it so? Did did Nash's is the dollar the U.S. dollar ideal? And if not, then what is wrong in John Nash's theory? So part that of calls the... this to happen. Part, there's some other folks that like Nash that talk about the, the pursuit of the ideal, right? Or this like asymptotic concept. And I think that can even uh, morph into a description of the precursor change of monies that were used globally right these reserve currencies that maybe they were um they were models in pursuit t 
towards the ideal, right? And that the dollar represents like one iteration on the pursuit towards ideal. The dollar, we're talking about the, the dominance of it, I think, or the reserve currency status of it. Well, that yeah, came... as it emerged, you know, and, and why that why that happened and if ideal money can describe that. And, um, you know, it probably really doesn't in general. But if you're thinking about, like, constantly trying to get closer to an ideal, then I think maybe it, it, it is a stepping stone on the way. And that's a product of Bretton Woods and the wars, though, right? For sure. Yeah, this, at least, this is the problem at least partially libertarianism. Changed. Libertarianism has the same problem. If you accept this like line of inquiry, that like you have theories can oftentimes be like, divided into one of three camps: uh, prescriptive, which would be like the case of like religious texts where they tell you what it is you got to do; uh, critical, which is like Marxism. Uh, and, and like, not just Marxism, I mean, like even like uh, critical thinking skills as like thousand, like the scientific method. Uh, th these are ways of disproving what you see generally. Like you see something and say, okay, well, is it, is it because of what I thought or is it because of this other reason that those are critical theories? Then uh, there's often descriptive theories and those are like field journals, observations, immoral, typically, like this is what I see. There's no... How to put it? There's not necessarily a uh, advocacy, it's just an explanation, and it's, it, it attempts to predict. In any case, a lot of like the libertarian theories are uh, predict are, are prescriptive theories, similar to like religious texts, where they tell you how to create a good system. And there's probably a lot of value there, like that, that clearly worked for a long time. And uh, we, we may regret having moved away from that model as a society. Um, so it, in some senses, you're evaluating these theories in that prescriptive sense. We say to ourselves, like, w wouldn't everybody be better off if we did it this way? And the answer is yes. But then the problems are that some people follow the book. And those people can be enriched expense to those who do follow the book. It's a major problem in America, even. Like, if you haven't noticed, like, Sometimes the worst people are the ones who are going to profit handsomely because they're bad. So, so it's like it, if you so you have to ask yourself, well, what kind of society am I in? Then validate prescriptive theory in full, which is probably the case, unfortunately, in a lot of ways. Uh, and the question, well, why am I doing this thought exercise then? Am I doing this thought exercise because I want to determine what was, in fact, a great place we could have become? Or am I doing this because I want to... Uh, understand why it is that we don't have that or am I running through this theory because I'm trying to sell others on getting towards that utopia and those avenues are inappropriate. Yeah, no, I think I understand all that why you point that out. Like, so we, we start to um, theorize about the ideal, but what can we get about, get with that? Like, you know, the, the libertarian knows what the ideal is. Well, okay. Make your world like show me. Bring it about. Okay. You have like communists now running the streets. These these are not, in my estimation, these people are not motivated in good faith. So then it's like, okay, well, we, we have the solution to the problem. You're ready. And then they're just going to like throw a brick at you. And then you're, you have to find other people who are like-minded. And otherwise you're, you're like, your theory doesn't 
So I, I don't know what to do at that point. Is, is it that the theory doesn't work? Is it that the society stopped working? Is it, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, sometimes violence is the answer. Oh, that's where we're at, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, the libertarians, the truth is mostly creative. That's the deal. So if, if, if we like this plan, we have to figure out how we're going to create it. We don't just like it and then, like, you know, it takes off. It has to, it has to, it has to create some mechanism for fruition. Of course. 100%. By the way, this is why the dollar works, I think. Even, I, thought the dollar, I thought the dollar worked because the petrodollar exists. Yeah, I, well, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why. This I mean, works, but, and theoretically, that would make it ideal for the current time period that it's been dominant, right? Because it allows all these nations to come together in one marketplace and deal with, you know, deal with, you know, uh, exchanging energy. Definitely. Uh, you know, and then uh, don't, we don't care who, you know, what your culture is as long as you come with the dollar. Uh, well, that sounds like, it sounds like ideal money. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> there you it, go. Is, it is an ideal for at least uh, navigating. For now. Yeah, for navigating the global oil markets, I would agree. Until we all get our Bitcoin citadels. <laughs> but the, the Triffin dilemma, though, puts a wrench in that. And the whole COVID or the pandemic thing may highlight this where the U.S. has is, has a dual role here with its money. It has to serve the world with the reserve currency, but then it wants to tend to its own short-term domestic wants. And those goals aren't necessarily in the same direction. Yeah, I, discussing it, I, I would not be surprised if like the, the preeminence of the dollar is, is days are numbered. Like we all kind of think that. So, it, but I, I don't know that Bitcoin is necessarily going to take up the, the slack. I would think that like uh, the yuan, the yuan uh, would start to displace it from the Ethereum to the Bitcoin, if you will. Uh, that would be my what's, guess. What's the Taiwanese dollar called? I don't know. I, but now I certainly wouldn't argue <laughs> Bitcoin would take the, well, it would take the dominance like gold would in, in a sense, but, not necessarily how we think of the U.S. dollar because, you know, I'm in Canada. I could probably go to most stores and pay with U.S. dollars. I think you got to create, like, demand. I mean, this is the, the theory right now, right? Like, you have to create debt denominated in your currency. So in some ways, like, maybe that's the tether story, is that, like, Bitcoin did, in fact, create debt, uh, a lot of it, uh, from this institution called Tether. And then, lo and behold, we, <laughs> we seem to have gotten – a uh, major boost in liquidity as a result, but got to figure out a way to get people to issue debt, the currency, in ways that they can spread around. Which, which does that invalidate the ideal money theory even at that point? Mm, I wouldn't say so either, because you're going to have credit markets, and it's people's choice whether or not they want to um, interface with credit. Yeah, so that would be now we're relating to Hal Finney when he says Bitcoin backed banks will probably exist and they'll be have their own private monies and it will be intrinsically inflationary resistant. We see Bitcoin, we've always had Bitcoin banks, they've been impressive, unfortunately, most of the time, yes. but but they, they exist and um, I think you gotta. 
I I think you just gotta like start. You gotta like start a chain reaction, where you find some group of people who piss you off, and you come in there with your tanks and you tell them this is how we're gonna do it, and we're gonna give you a loan, and now you gotta pay us. Or you find some people that are desperate who'll do anything, and you know you offer to build them like an aqueduct, and they have to pay you back. And then as those debts start to form, there that's what I think creates the demand for the the currency. Doing it by choice, you know, I, I don't. That clearly happens in the case of like gold, seems. But I don't. I don't even know about that because gold is like a last resort kind of thing, and. We don't really see people choosing it anymore. Anything like, you know, why, why don't people use gold for ass? You know, pe- why is there no petrol gold market? I think there is in uh, like Iran. I, I know Iraq had one for a very limited time. I think I know that. And uh, because that, that, that money didn't have a, a, a military, it couldn't defend itself against the United States, I think. That sounds correct. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of what we are doing in society is reinspecting lies we grew up with. And I think one of those lies was that, like, the dollar is the best currency. And while it is true that a lot of people use the dollar, it's kind of dirty business. I don't know if there's, like, a moral, I don't know if there's a moral pretense in these matters. And maybe there should be. Probably there should be. Maybe there should be. We may just be, like, trying to rationalize next money based on that initial conception that was just state propaganda. Are we the state? Yeah. Pal? Say that again. Are we the state? Oh, are we the state? Uh, the, yeah, I find it difficult to separate it into state and people when each of the major states are in competition with each other. And I'm not sure they can act in cooperation against the citizenry. What um, if uh, Bitcoin is a state and people are choosing to interface with that as a secondary or primary uh, economic state that, that they choose to transact through? I just, I think we skipped very quickly to state legalizing Bitcoin and then like where we've, we've transcended that uh, duality. You know, it, yeah. It, I, I was dating an attorney for a good while, and uh, they made the point that the legal environment only works when there's order. You're not, not going to have like attorneys on their battlefield who are going to like talk to the tank commander and tell you like what the law is about who you can and cannot blast with a rocket. And, but that's you know true for a lot of environments. Like legality is a kind of uh, like utopic thing that we can we can can use at times in our history and then it just goes away that's probably going to be the case with money as well i think and a lot of the rules around economics and money as well so it doesn't mean that a lot of these theories are invalid it just means that the strategy is complete like this is where like the academics often have a problem i think in that they like divide strategy independent of the imperfections of the of the like the world state so you may, in fact, come up with something that is uh, unequivocally ideal for everybody, but because you live in a world where you have, like, this dictator 
and like that institution, et cetera, et cetera. There's enough uh, bad faith in the environment to where like your plan could ever work, even though like it worked out perfectly fine in in all of these different ways. It, you, you still have to understand that you live in a, in a world that is inherently flawed. And so you are then forced to accept sub ideal solutions as a matter of rule. But I think that's quite on point. If we're thinking of like the, the questioning about what is ideal in a sense of like, okay, first of all, money to be ideal, it's got to be portable. It's got to be maybe fungible, this and that. And then we can think about maybe you can't have that. Like what, what can we do with our economy? Well, what might be interesting is if we got off the American dollar standard, got onto something that no country controls um, and then start to ask is which ideal does Bitcoin fit? Is Bitcoin this money and this medium that like everyone can use? It's super cheap. It's super fast. Well, now you've created conflict and war and the Roger Vares and the core and all this, or is Bitcoin, limited it, it, it can't be this ideal money in that sense it I, I think we could ask could satoshi ever have implemented it with all these great things scalability etc or was there a trade-off there and then it can bring about this other scenario that we could call ideal that's that's the definition i've been using the latter yeah I, you know I mean, I guess what good, this is a problem in, in so many different ways in society. Like what, what good is an ideal if it's, it stands no chance of execution. So like, here's a, like you can ask everybody in the world, maybe like, what is it you think we all want? And they, and they might be something like healthcare uh, or uh, maybe, I don't know, keep like basic, like keep the planet from, from overheating and exploding. Like every, everybody should theoretically agree on that. You know, whether or not that's the case, maybe we'll disagree, but we can all agree that we need this planet to be sustainable. Then you show, then you, and then you find out like the ideal environment for all the citizens of the world to live in that, that thing that they said that they wanted and that we all agree that is what we wanted. It turned, then the, the numbers come back like, okay, well, you can't have a car now and you can't, you can't use, you can't use airplanes anymore and you can't use like packaging. You have to like, I don't know, carry like jars around with you everywhere. Then, and then just yeah. people are just like, I don't really care about the world anymore. I'd rather just live my life and fuck the next guy. Those people exist. So, or or maybe they just maybe maybe they still agree with you, but like they're 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 compelled to obey somebody like a leader who thinks that if he he like joins the plan, that he'll get nuked and the whole world will explode anyway. So, it, a, a lot of the concerns I have about ideal money, the concept would be impacted by that potential realization. And of course you mean this is the ideal in the sense of like, we, we need to create the best money. It's kind of the situations people think Satoshi was in like, okay, I've pretty much got the solution. Now let me work on the details. Should I trade fungibility for computational scalability or so on and so forth? Um, but it wouldn't speak to, there's a different thing where Bitcoin could serve to bring all of the major currencies into a single trend. And it's, so it's, it's a lesser thing. And, but we might be able to use it to approach something that is good. 
this is what would be called asymptotically ideal money or, or something that we approach over time. So you can't get to the ideal. That's an ideal. It's notion. It's conceptual, but it's a direction. And then you might be able to create something that moves us towards that. And that would be more something today. Whereas if you're, if you've got this, no, if you've decided what everyone has to do and what everyone can do, and that would be ideal, you're, you're tending towards like the question of Marxism and communism or, or how would you bring that about? What's the governance structure you'd have? I mean, don't, don't ask me. These people are generally, I don't think anybody knows what communism is, but that would be another, like, assuming that money is even is an ideal might be like where the, where the pretense is a little iffy. It might be that like what everyone agrees on is we don't need money. And like, I believe that's stupid for reasons I don't really have to explain, but wouldn't surprise me is if, if you're trying to sell like, uh, you know, a model T Ford, you know, it'll be like commercially what we need. Everybody instead wants to buy like, you know, like a flying UFO, which can never happen. And then you're stuck in this world where you have like this great idea, but there's no environment by which it can succeed. And the pretense of, of this particular idea it's kind of like a 22 because you have, you have a very toxic community who, who, who can't agree on anything. A lot of ways that are required to like sell an ideal. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know John Nash's theory well enough. My, my assumption is there's like a context of evaluation that I, I just don't get in which everything makes sense. But like, I think for, for my idea, I don't know that, that kind of environment is, is what we actually see. Where, where Where's the martyr in John Nash's ideal money? Cause like, it seems like that that's a huge component of Bitcoin itself. That, that's, that's all great. So what another way of sort of what you're saying is like, you're going to, you're going to have to, and when say you will talk, we'll say Satoshi would have to introduce this with um, an element of like an assumption of greed and, and non-cooperation. Like, like, you're not going to say like, okay, let's go to all our politicians or let's vote for like, let's bring about this great change and reform. It's going to have to be like, people are stupid and people are greedy. Let's introduce it such, such that that's our, our security premise, I think, is basically. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, unfortunately, I think that what we've seen with that model is that you are incentivized to join Chainlink cases. <laughs> As a result, you know, <laughs> it's true. Oh, yeah, but absolutely. But at a certain point, say for what I'm pointing at, um, an institution would say, "Wait a minute." At one, once Bitcoin say was in maybe the trillions, and they'll say, "Well, I can send like hundred million or billions of dollars way cheaper than I would do other ways, or I get a better finality or better security." Or it's censorship resistant versus like the United States. They can't sanction, say, Venezuela transferring to Russia. And, th- and that would be greed, too. That would be self-interested nature. They're just using it so they can get by. The problem that the institutions are going to have, they're not smart enough to realize this, fortunately, uh, though they, they might be in, in some cases now. The problem they're going to have is that Bitcoin is effectively fiat. So they're, they're going to have to bet, they're going to have to say, like, they're not going to be part of the Bitcoin delusion such that they think 79 protons 
in the nucleus of the Bitcoin. They're, they're going to say Bitcoin is a software project developed by these people. And in most ways, we can see that this is, this is about the same kind of and a control structure as we see at the Federal Reserve, except that they don't know that and they don't have a military. So that's fine. It doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't make it like an advantage. It adds more risk. I think by a fiat, what you mean is um, the, the people, especially the Bitcoiners, have decided this thing has value. They sort of decided how much value it has. And, and it the value of it is um well, I guess determined by that the, that propriety. Oh no, it, it is. I, I believe Bitcoin is fiat. All these cryptocurrencies are are fiat. Yes, because you have a version number, and that indicates changes as impacted upon the protocol by men. And uh, like, if you wanted to add Lightning support to like gold, you, you wouldn't just like update the the binary, and then everybody to upgrade their gold. Is that's not how that works. So I think that the value advantage that gold offered was that it was not uh, able to be controlled by men. And I don't actually think that that's the best value, I have to say. Um, but uh, it seems to be the weird sort of contradictory proposal that Bitcoiners believe is that Bitcoin somehow is both uh, updated and not updated by men. Depending on it's the Heisenberg uncertainty. You know, that's how you ask them what mood they're in. They'll tell you both answers. And that that really touches on things like, so I would say it needs to, the, this protocol needs to be ossified, not evolved. And if if there was a rationale to that, I don't know if I'm using the word the way you do, but if there's something that people could hold on to as to why we would want to do that, and obviously the maximalists aren't going that way. They want to evolve it towards the libertarian ideal. You hit the nail on the head. And this was why I proposed that there be a mission statement in the form of the institution. Me too. Banks use TCPIP uh, to route their payments and messages. So if we had emulated an institutional model, I think that's better than what we've done for this reason. But since we didn't do that, it, it's no longer so obviously the case to me that this is going to work that way because now the banks are investing in like libertarian delusion as opposed to an institutional model. And Eric Voskul becomes relevant because he talks about how if Bitcoin was solely used by state, it would give them control over the protocol versus the citizenry. But where I say, well, state, there's no world state. These The states are in competition with each other and that competition, I think, is sufficient such that changing the protocol against what the central banks would say or high-value institutions would want is going to become um, harder over time. 100%. Like, this stuff is – we don't have, like, an educated public anymore, and that at least like not in the sense of the civics, if not everything, but it makes it hard to do all kinds of stuff, which I think is kind of a good thing, honestly, net – this because things were getting perverse and still are very perverse, but it makes it hard for all of us online. Even like Wikipedia, I'm shocked that Wikipedia still exists. That I don't know how that's possible. Like all, all of my understanding of the universe is like challenged by the existence of Wikipedia because there's no reason that should exist. And maybe maybe we find out there's a big scandal there, and then it's like, oh, okay, so I was right. It shouldn't exist. The only reason it did was because like 
it was a, it was like an American army of like volunteers on the on the slide that were keeping that in check. But in a lot of ways, what we have is is the Wikipedia issue. Do you mean because it should have fragmented? Yeah, well, there's I mean, there's value in telling the truth. Like, there's so much value in telling the truth. So I understand that there there are models of truth telling that have endured over the eons. But given the contention of the political environment, I'm surprised that we allow you know varying Wikipedia pages to survive the way that they have, especially given the governance model of Wikipedia, which is I really don't understand it. But well, the page the pages survive, but the content is a different story. Yeah, but it's pretty good. Like it, I you know. I know what you're. It depends on what you're looking up. That might be. They, it but they totally, it totally a lot is. Contentious stuff. They have some kind of, some kind of mechanism. I think, the big, I think they're big enough. I think not always necessarily high quality. I think Wikipedia is. I think that's true. I think Wikipedia is big enough to where like, big big issues and like. Like you know, historical things are pretty much well fleshed out without the issues, but current event type things that are going on, yeah, very foggy, in my opinion. Okay, so I mean, is there something better than Wikipedia? <laughs> no, not for no. what we're pointing at. It's no, it's quite not. it's quite remarkable. Yes. So then that being the that, that might be as good as we can do, and if it has works that I'm not aware of, but I think then, that's also true in real life, right? Like the farther away you are from any given event most likely the better perspective you have on the event. Um, so, you know, for things that are happening right now, um, our news doesn't get them right. The best source for our current events right now is probably Periscope, where you can, you know, basically watch someone else's camera on their iPhone. Uh, so, like, with Wikipedia, current events are probably forgivable. If they're... Um, the problem with Wikipedia, I think, though, is that you have a, a certain ideology that has kind of taken over uh, the editor, the editor arena, and they kind of take care of current events in a certain way. Uh, that's not all that honest, but I think that's, again, like everything in the computing is going to happen like that happened in real life. So like, I think that's an acceptable mirror of like real life and you know, the internet. Relevant to, to Bitcoin, like I think we have then the libertarians or the maximalists, they're trying to take it one way as fast as they can, and of course they are admittedly against say the central banks, and then but I think like they're not they're only going to get so far before it snapped back to reality, and I think that's why we see this attitude from them and they come up with things like shitcoin and because their argument it it's just it's not holistic. It, it's not observing reality. Yeah. And also a measure of the demographic too that we're dealing with. It, yeah, the, er, the early de demographic, right? And if if this thing goes into the trillions and it becomes cheaper to move and important to use it um, compared to the alternatives, then the protocol starts to be developed towards those economic actors. Yes. That's kind of already been the case in Bitcoin. We you know see an effect on decisions by people and we see money flowing into their pockets uh, as you know a matter of just official relationship, you know, be it Blockstream or uh, MIT or whatever. 
there's nothing nece- there's nothing necessarily bad about that a balanced basis, but I don't know that it is a balanced basis. I think that there's uh, very little accountability <laughs> and uh, just a d- demonstration of uh, perhaps um, ill will at times. You know, I look at like Samson Mo. That, that guy does not strike me as being a uh, particularly a congenial actor in the in the system, and he's not a dev, but he clearly has influence. He has it because he's because he's easily disgusted. Like that's that's the thing I keep coming back to. A lot of the people that are influential in the space are influential because they're disgusted easily. It's a weird protocol ratification mechanism. Well, because I think I use the term core beliefs, which is sort of coincidental to like the idea of Bitcoin core. But I think when you know our core beliefs are challenged, we fight or fight, and I think that someone like Mao and people like that, they, they share those similar beliefs and they have to, you know, be like that in order to be in that in group, which is trying to steer Bitcoin in a certain direction. That's not really perfectly rational. I agree with everything you just said, but I would suggest that a lot, you know, a lot of these guys are lying through their teeth because they'll, promote ICOs or their own things on the side all simultaneously presenting disgust of the people who do that same activity. So I agree with you on the matter that people's core beliefs lend them to an environment where these, these presentations are effective. I would suggest that it's perverse because they're, they're, they're not true uh, as evidenced by their, the actions of the principles. They're, they're just presentations, it's just acting. So they act disgusted and in, in acting disgusted, create consensus you know that they aren't disgusted and the community never holds them to account when they catch them doing the things that they're supposedly disgusted by Seems. and the consensus is uh, has dual dualistic nature implied where they're in conflict with those who are not in consensus yes and that there's a basis there like the conflict is part of it they can't get along it, it's not all inclusive Bitcoin, the money for everyone, but if you don't like it, get the fuck out, right? Yeah. That's the, the aesthetic. And I, I even kind of like the, like that aesthetic. I, I get it. There's, it's, not, it's, it's not a bad one. I, I, it's just that you can't dial it up to 11 while simultaneously uh, ignoring very, very basic evidence uh, that, that it contrasts with, with the ethic. You know, things like no leaders, things like uh, you know, ICO and shitcoin uh, projects that are better. They're okay because the leader does it. I, it's just, it, it becomes very like, it's very disappointing to, for me to watch because I, I thought there was a little bit more independence in the space and dignity. And I'm, I'm stupid for that. And I, I get that, but we threw it all out the window um, when it was convenient. And when we could make a buck, is it and, better if they're, uh, absolutely upfront about doing these things in addition to championing Bitcoin. So here's, this is the, this is like an international question. I wish I had an easy answer. I I would say yes, but all the evidence suggests that's not what people want. And you can see this time and time again, like, you know, I don't want to bring in, uh, any more like specific political party, like allegations other than, members of both sides of the politics 
are caught dipping into varying forms of malfeasance in, in their advocacy and in their actions. Right. And the population loves them, not because of independent of that, because like they, they, what they want are these, these actors that they like. So we did the same thing in Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, the actor we liked was the easily disgusted man, man who was uh, a snob. And, and it didn't matter who he was because what we were voting on was the performance. We see that I would suggest even in the presidential election where you have like, uh, you know, the, the blue man who I guess, you know, Joe Biden, he, he's depends on how there's a few different. I don't really understand that platform to so be clear. So there's, so forgive me if I'm characterizing it poorly, but what I see is like Joe, Joe Biden is like woke. He's like, he performs submission for the woman and he is a congenial person because he knows his place or some such thing. And like, you know, the orange man, he displays contempt for the elites. He is like sort of this oddly uh, honest person. And I, and I know that like everyone might be groaning about, it, but like he, he's honest in the sense that he'll tell you that the system is crooked and, and there's a deep, there's a deep state and there's a swamp. And like, yeah, he may be part of it, but he at least presented the act in a way we, we wanted to see. But that, that contradiction is the same thing I see here in Bitcoin is, you know, we have these snobs who will not tolerate any, any form of bit structure other than the, the Bitcoin core structure, but then they go ahead and they, they have, you know, their, their own little shitcoin speculative nonsense things. And so it's like, we are so easily captivated by who's performing uh, like the ideal performance that we are completely just like de- detached from non-performative aspects of their, of their being. Well, uh, it's starting to get late. We've been going for a little while, and I feel like maybe this is a good point to f- offer up final thoughts. Uh, if you haven't gone over to ShawWars.com, make sure you get over there and vote for these guys. You can vote as many times as you want. It will. You can push the lightning button a number of times, and it will um, batch all of your clicks and send them through to be mined. On ShawWars.com, Chris, you're still in the lead as it is right now, but do you have any wrap-up thoughts you want to offer people jousting for you, obviously? Um, you know what? Like, I, I like, I think people think I'm like a pessimist and I understand why. Uh, but in my model of the world, you got to like acknowledge the problem so that you can fix them. And we've created this environment where only competence is what's acceptable and that makes us fragile. And I think most of Bitcoin's problems and cryptocurrency problems are international issues at this point. And I think we should even get credit for spotting these things before the general population. However, what that's going to mean, too, is that if we want to uh, eclipse the general population in our prosperity and power, we're, we're going to need to look at the problems and solve them before they do. So uh, if you guys think that, let, let me know, because that seems reasonable. But we like the sort of groundswell has to come from like the everyman you you won't see the fucking heads you know co-opt this message is my you know, party line chat is an is an everyman uh forum you know so hey, you guys are great today i love talking to you guys <laughs> good to have you back ditto jowl yeah i appreciate you guys being here and and really appreciate having a chance to um chat with throws and I encourage us to consider Bitcoin not as an ideal money, but perhaps as an ideal basis for the existing 
major currencies. And I think if we open up that conversation a lot, um, some interesting things can come out of it. Um, and I also encourage us to like this space to start asking questions more than making statements based on axioms. And I think that's something that Chris does really well. And, and I Thumbs think up. people should uh, consider some of the questions that he's been pointing out. Yeah. So thanks a lot. Bye chain link. Bye chain link. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, anybody else hanging out still here today? You got to go. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time for me to go. Hey, so, no problem. Thanks, Joe. You're the best, Joe. I don't always make time for you, but it's not because I don't want to. So Cheers, man. Take take care. Thanks a lot again. Yeah. Everybody. Have a good one, okay. guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Bye.